Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 229. I am Peter and joining me unfortunately is Connor. Yep, still not getting rid of me, sorry. As a DC Comics podcast every week we get together, we talk about DC Comics we've read. Uh, coming up on this week's show we have Dark Knight's Death Metal, The Multiverse Who Laughs issue 1, Wonder Woman 767, The Flash 766, Suicide Squad issue 11, Action Comics 1027, Justice League Dark 28, Batman Superman 14 for the new books, and we both have a couple of, or we both have a Patreon book to talk about. Although technically one of the new books is also something that Connor has to do for Patreon, but mm. uh, more on that in a little bit later. Uh, you may be noticing the absence of the other history of the DC Universe in that list. Um, I had fully intended on reading that for today's show. Uh, Connor had started reading that for today's show, and basically did not realise that it was going to be almost a prose book that was almost 50 pages long and had not even close to the time to fit it in. So, uh, that's why that's not been read. I still I still want to get to it at some point, uh, but maybe something to read when it's all assembled as one just, full story. Um, just, you know, I'll give really brief thoughts on what I did read, just really mm-hmm. quickly. Because uh, I read a, about a third of it, uh, and it is basically just a prose thing, and the, the first issue is entirely Black Lightning. Uh, I, I I get the impression the way it's structured is each issue will be a different hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's how it presents it near the start. And I think I would like it quite a lot as a prose story, as a comic, not so much. It's very it's very dense, uh, you know, and it, it doesn't read like a comic. It does read like a book. Um, and maybe if I went in with that, but there were some character moments with with Jefferson that I wasn't really a fan of. That I, I don't want to judge too much because there's a chance that this is something I'm not supposed to like that much and it's supposed to be a character flaw that he's going to learn over the rest of the issue, but I didn't get far enough to, to get to that. Oh, there's no point in judging anything. I mean, it's almost right. it's, it's almost worthless even bringing it up because if you've not read the whole story, it doesn't matter. Right, to... no, uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it was, I, I will say it's part of why I stopped reading because I was like, I really don't like, I, I really didn't feel like I liked this decision. Um, and then I, you know, I was, I'd been reading for 15, 20 minutes and realized I was only a third through. And I was like, I, I can't finish this right now. Mm. Um, but it did, it, but part of it was that, you know, that character beat that kind of put me off a little bit as well. Um, so I think it's, it's worth mentioning, even though I acknowledge that it may actually be overcome later in the issue. It may be something that's not something that I should be judging on. No, you shouldn't be at all. It's, it's not even that it might overcome it. It's just, it's worthless as a, a critique, I guess, until you've actually finished it to judge it in the context mm-hmm. of what it is. Um, and I'm putting that out there because I feel that way, but also I feel like the comments might pick you up on this, so I'm just addressing it right now. <laughs> like I said, uh, you know, I- I'm judging it insofar as it affected my... Uh, whether or not I continued finishing the story, uh, basically. It-, it did have an impact on me. But uh, but again, like I say, yeah, it- it- maybe, it's- maybe it's nothing. Yeah, but... You can have a history of being fickle and not continuing things for really weird reasons. So, uh, grain of salt uh, with anything like that coming from you, t- to be honest. Uh, so, yes, that's what's coming up on the show. There's a little bit of news as well, uh, which we'll get into. This is the final week of books from November. Um, and it is actually still November by the time this goes out. I think we'll be changing the month just afterwards. Because like it's, it's not uncommon for the last week of books to be... Uh, you know, at, right at the end of the month, and then by the time we record the episode, we're in the next month. Not that it really matters. Um, 
the reason why I'm really saying this is because I always still think of that as the last week of that month, even if the episode's already in and, next month. You know, it, it's not even for our Patreon books. We still think of that as you know November's books. If, if this had been, if if today had been the first of December, it still counts under November's timeline for, for the way that we do it's, this it's, show. Yeah, it's November's week four or week five, yeah. depending if uh, there's a fifth week. But um, yeah, so. Uh, some news then we'll get into a little bit of uh, a little bit of news uh, not a whole lot this week a couple of minor things uh, Batman Earth 1 Volume 3 has got a tentative release date of June 8th 2021 so that is uh, seemingly coming we'll see there's a, there's a cover with that I don't know if the cover's new but there's a cover there by the article I think it's new because uh, I started being shared around early in the week and then the other thing is that there's the digital first uh, Super Sun series starting in December uh starting on december 14th yep uh it's actually a 14 issue series digitally so uh they're looking at there'll be a physical release later probably seven issues tends to be how that goes it tends to be doubling them it, up it might be straight to trade because i think that's what they're doing with the deceased one uh very possibly but uh this is going to be peter g tomasi writing with art by max rayner jorge corona and evan stanley so Kind of just a straight continuation, then, really. Yeah, it's, you know, there's this Tomasi continuing, and I, you know, I never finished the last Super Sun series, and I enjoyed it was well, it was you know, it was a decent enough read as I was reading it. It just kind of felt strenuous by the time I I got later on in the book. Uh, mm. I assume this is going to be equally fine and enjoyable if you enjoy the adventures of uh, Damien and John. Honestly, the digital format might really suit. The Super Sons just like here's a, a you know short stories with them rather than big overarching epics that they can try you know when they they feel beholden to the six issue arc format. Yeah, uh, that's assuming it even changes how it. Uh, yeah, it, it, it might not at all, but just inherently it feels like an excuse to try something different. But we'll see. Um. So, yeah. Uh, here's a synopsis. Uh, whoever whoever uh, has their name inscribed in ancient and magical perchant uh, will be killed post-haste. Oh, where's this from? Uh, in Challenge of the Super Sons, they take a page from modern social media uh, for the big MacGuffin, the Doom Scroll. <laughs> whoever has their name inscribed on this ancient and magical parchment will be killed post-haste. Now, the evil powers that be have written the names of the Justice League on the Deadly Dock, and Superboy and Robin are the only ones who can save their dads from certain doom. The catch, no one can know it was the boys that saved them. So it's Death Note, but with the Super Sons. <laughs> okay, sure. I'll have that. Uh, that. That sounds fun. I don't know what the plot of Death Note is, so I'll take uh, a it, it's There's a, a journal, and if, if you write a name in the journal and a time, they'll they'll die at that time it, that's basically it and it's you know how it's used is, is the story then but that same premise is, is kind of what I'm getting at I, I don't you know I don't I don't understand anime trash so this is all alien two to me th- two thirds of Death Note is some of the best TV ever made and and then it goes on a bit after it should have ended for another like eight episodes for no real reason hmm. I don't watch trash so I, I don't know about this uh, so you say my opinions are questionable they are questionable. Mines are uh, bulletproof, quite frankly. Um, you said you had some, some sort of winter's uh, 
thing? Future State. Future State, sorry, yeah, I'll say. Not the winner one. Future State. No, not the winner one, no. Uh, Endless Winner, I think is what it was called. Endless I Winter, I forget yes. the name of it as well. Uh, um, Future State, we've been given an official timeline of what books take place when and, you know, how, how much time this spans across. Because I remember when the first lists came out, we were questioning, like, some things seem to be, like, not taking place simultaneously. And, yeah, it's pretty drastic, some of them. So you've got a, a, a large batch of the mostly Batman books are all taking place in 2025. But then you have Dark Detective. Uh, it seems to be the, the notable Batman book taking place a little bit later in 2027, along with uh, Flash and Teen Titans. Uh, you've got Shazam in 2029. And then the next big one is 2030 with Aquaman, Justice League Dark, uh, Metropolis Midnight, uh, Mr. Miracle, a whole bunch of books there. Uh, then we've got The Last Lantern in 2035. Justice League is in 2040. And this is where we start to take then a big leap to the year 3000, which is uh, House of L and Legion of Superheroes. Obviously, that one makes sense. And then we jump ahead to 4500 is a uh, Swamp Thing. 82,020 is Black Adam. And then just the end of time is Immortal Wonder Woman. So it seems to be spanning quite a lot of time, even even disregarding the one that's just the end of time. Uh, there's still quite a lot there, like well beyond the traditional, you know, the, the, the Legion stuff in, you know, year 3000, that's pretty normal, but well beyond that as well. Yeah, okay. So, uh, so that was interesting that they're that, that kind of putting this out there and you, you know, there's a clear timeline. Um, it's a little bit different. Um, that doesn't really mean anything to me yet. Uh, context of the stories will be everything. Uh, as of now, it's a list of numbers. Um, no, I get that. It's, it's more just like looking at the families. Like for me, seeing Dark Detective is just a couple of years later after all of the other Bat books uh, stood out to me as interesting. As you know, I wonder why that one is just a little bit later. What, what's what's different about the setting in that one that, that you know, is, is worth it being a couple of years later. Uh, I'm, sh I'm sure we'll find out as we're reading them, but it was interesting to me. Yeah, well, there you go. That's pretty much it news-wise this week. Um, there was actually some TV news, but we and Carter have not recorded TV news yet, so I'm going to save that until... Uh, you, you don't want to spoil it, is that what you're yeah, saying? that's what I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to save that until we record the TV news. Uh, although, I'm glad, because we were going to record it last night, and I'm glad we pushed it, because some additional things popped up late last night that I am, that I'm glad did not have to wait until the next time we did a TV news. So, I'm pleased by that. Is, is, does this happen to be to do with Netflix, by any chance? It does happen to do with Netflix, I, I, Do you know what? You, you would have been okay, because I'd seen that about half an hour before we were due to uh, start recording last night, so I would have brought it up anyway. Yeah, but if you have to bring something up, it feels like a defeat, so... If, if I care about it, it would have done if it was this thing as well. You would have hated that. If I care about it, that is. Um, I don't Which care when you. Do, you yes. I, don't, I don't care when you bring up something about some stupid Star Wars thing. Uh, if I had to, it's a point of pride that I missed it, or <laughs> or chose not to even include it. Um, so yes. Um, yeah, Mandalorian's having a bad season. I think I heard that. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> so moving on. <laughs> oh, oh. What was that about impeccable taste? I, I exactly. I just gave you an example I, of my I impeccable the comments, taste. The comments will disagree with you, and all you're doing in the last five minutes is giving the comments reason to agree with me on everything. David Lynch is better than Star Wars. End of discussion. It's over. Okay. 
Just you wait till he he directs an episode of The Mandalorian. And it'll easily be the best Star Wars thing that's ever happened and ever existed. I mean, it might, it might well be. It might be up there. But I don't know if he's going to top Dave Filoni. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> Dave Filoni's... I don't know what's he... Go, go on, say, say something bad. I don't know. Why, I, I can't even say it too bad because I barely know who he is. I I would politely request that the fans of The Mandalorian, especially this week's episode, did he do it? directed did, by Dave Filoni. Did he do any of season one? Uh he did at least one episode, yeah. Yeah, that was all forgettable, so you know. That's my mm-hmm. opinion. Uh-huh. Right, yep. Um so any anyone who was a fan of this week's uh, Mandalorian, and, and not even not even just the 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 cool stuff that happened, but the actual direction of it, uh, especially the opening sequence, which was pretty spectacularly directed, and the uh, the big samurai sequence a little bit later, uh, come and let Peter know how how terrible he is. Has there been any reference to Boba Fett at all this season? Once. That's still too many. Trash. Uh, that that might actually be fair. Trash. <laughs> that that one moment might might be fair to just be like, yeah, hey, we can cut that out. Mm. And everyone's happy because some cartoon character showed up. Oh, some character of a kids' cartoon show. It's not a kids' show. It's it's an all ages show. Kids' cartoon. Bunch of sad grown ups watching it with bad taste. Watching Star mm-hmm. Wars things for kiddies. With the magic light swords. You sound like such an edgelord right now. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> this is such just easy ammunition for later. Oh no, I'm intentionally doing it. I'm called playing a character. Oh, oh I know, but there, there's a thing called using it out of context later. Okay, but... but It'll be fun. I, I don't care. I... Ah, oh God, sometimes... There's no point in trying to be funny with you sometimes. There really isn't. You don't take any of it the right way. It's... I've taken it perfectly fine. It's, it's you're I don't know, you suck, you suck all the fun out of everything. It's kind of your... Your patented thing. Where's Matt? I need Matt back. Matt, Matt understands my humour. Or at least... He makes him buckle every time. So... I need Matt back. This is what I'm saying. I need to be done with you. I fact, yeah. When Matt comes back, can you take some time off? <laughs> can you, Gladly. Yeah. Can you go away for a while. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to do that. <laughs> please. Please do. Okay, right. So what have we established? Star Wars sucks and should have ended decades ago. Um, and we're about to move into the comic books. Good. Dark Knight's Death Metal, The Multiversal Laughs, issue one is first up today. Obviously, it's multiple stories, so multiple creators, which we'll sort of bring up as we go through it. And I'm just going to start with the, the first thing I'll say is that, yeah, you can skip this one. <laughs> this is, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's, yeah, it's not the worst thing ever, but I wouldn't say I particularly liked any of the stories in it, so. Yeah, I'm going to say, there's, there's no story in here that I think is really bad. Like, there's nothing in here where I'm like, oh, that's terrible. But nothing, I'm like, oh, that's... There's not even, like... In a lot of these anthologies, even the, the mediocre ones, there's usually, like, one standout story where you go, that story's really good, but I'm not sure it's worth the price of entry for the whole thing. 
Um, I don't even have that in this one. Yeah, I... Honestly, it's impressive that they, they, they did so many of these and they got to this point, which is quite near the end game of the whole thing, before mm. one genuinely felt like it was just like completely and utterly skippable in every sense. And So on that account, I guess congratulations are bizarrely in order that it took this long to, to get one like this. And it's not like it's super offensively bad or anything, but you can save your money. You don't need this. I mean, I kind of like the opening, you know, the, the, you know Robin King being the storyteller and saying, you know, you know, listen in, dear reader, before you turn the page, these are dark stories of the multiverse, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it ties in roughly to where we ended the last issue of the main book, in that these are just basically stories of what all these Earths have. All, you know, all those worlds we saw at the end of, of the last issue. This is kind of stories coming out of all of those planets, and that's fine, that's cool. But ultimately, none of the stories themselves, I think, are all that great. Uh, the, the first one we get to properly is the one written by Patton Oswald of all things. <laughs> Yeah, with uh, Sanford Green on the art, which I do, I do quite like Sanford Green. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Uh, yeah, they are uh, solid. Fits fits for the tone it's going for. It's a, it's a story about Zaz going to whatever you know this world's version of Arkham is, where uh, Kite Man's also there. I, I love the idea that Pat Oswald's a fan of Kite Man. I think that's kind of funny. But everyone should be a fan of Kite Man these days. But Zaz wants to be ascended. Like there's like a you know, this, like, metal symbiosis, like, enhancements that are happening at this Arkham, and he wants to be a part of this, and he's pissed that Kite Man's getting picked over him. Um, but it all just kind of boils down to when some other villains arrive at the end, Condiment King, uh, for example, when they come in and see, like, the, the the previous inmates, they've all been transformed into various... So I'd say sort of, like, half-demonic, half-cyberpunk kind of looking, <laughs> would be my... Yeah, you've got one that's, like, cthulhu Yes, that's a uh, calendar man. Yeah, okay. Um, you've got the... What, what looks like a, a flash demon. I'd have to go back and check who that is. I, I, the reason why that is because calendar man, his tattoo matches what he was had previously, because you see him earlier on there, and he's got the same tattoo, uh, which is why I know that's him. I'd have to go back and check the uh, the previous page. But, yeah, like none of them stood out to me as obvious. Like, oh, that's definitely who this person is. No, no. Um, I mean, that's as well. The pipes coming out of his back, right? Uh, yeah, but yeah. I think that one's a little bit different because we saw a bit of him in the other room with the, the like the metal arms and stuff. Yeah. So that one, we we just had that, you know, showed to us where it was clearly Zaz in the page before. So that one wasn't really up for debate. And the next story is a Super Pets planet. <laughs> I mean, it's not that, not that all the planet are animals, there are humans on the planet. But it's about Crypto coming back from space and finding out that he... Essentially a deceased style, you know, zombie apocalypse has happened. And, you know, comes back to the Hall of Justice to find uh, Comet and Streaky and wondering what the hell's going on. And it's explained that a virus happened, uh, was it Red... Uh, Medvo, which is like a red Superman wolf. Very, very communist one as well. Yes. Uh, infected them, and they did get a bit of a cure for a while, but it didn't last very long. So the end of the story is actually just that, oh, they're screwed, and like, yeah, everything's gone. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I laughed occasionally. This is the Amanda Connor and Palmiotti one. Uh, uh, you know, I, I laughed a little bit at, uh, when they were talking about their day and the flashback, and Batco says, I was milked. 
I enjoyed that. <laughs> or yeah. something to that effect. Right. Again, this is one where it was perfectly fine. Uh, Chad Harden on the art. Um, so this is very much the, the Harley Quinn team kind of reunited. Um, it's it's a fine you know, six, seven, eight page, whatever it is. It's, not a, uh, it's just all inspired. I feel like the story all kind of revolves around just at the end going, oh, lol, no, the cure didn't work. So now that you know that they're, they're screwed anyway it, just, it, it felt like they got an editor's note at the end going oh yeah by the way this this is this is an earth that's screwed Every, everything needs to go wrong and they went oh, oh okay well, I, I guess we'll write that in. well more than that i just feel like there's not really a story it's just they wanted an excuse to have make a lot of super pet jokes and then oh shit we have to have give it an ending oh they're just all screwed there you go yeah end of story yeah I really like the lettering um you know i, I like how all the different boxes uh, like the the word boxes of balloons uh are different shapes for the different people like uh like cryptos is in the the shield and um the 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 chimp is in a banana and the cat's in like a little ball of yarn um you know ace is in in a bat and just things like that i thought uh, nice little touches in in the craft of it that was really clear who was talking even if you weren't looking at the, them yeah, yes, but I, I, you know what, this is probably the most interesting conversation about a comic we can possibly have, because I'm constantly just going, yeah, it's alright, it's fine. <laughs> it's, you really did want this issue, in, in like a sentence at the start, going, yeah, it's fine. It's fine, it's totally skippable, it's not worth the money, uh, you're not going to miss anything of important. We would then go to another Earth where Star City has had its name changed, the Guardians of the Universe have taken over uh, yeah, Earth. Yeah, ch- changed to New Oa. Yes. Wait. Oh yeah, new uh, subsector seventy. You're right. Um, and Green Arrow is a kind of outlaw, and he's trying to help these teenagers uh survive and you know escape. But then Hal Jordan shows up, and he's kind of like he's working for the Guardians. He's like, nah, there's you know, this is punishment. This punish is punishable. You guys sneaking around. It's a you know military state. Um, and again, it's not really much of a story. It just the final page is just like you know, Ollie tries to talk Hal out of this and to let them go. Hal says no, so Ollie's like, okay, well, I've got a yellow arrow here. So it just ends with them you know, go- going towards each other. So it's... I was really surprised when I turned the page and there was no more. Because I know it had the, the credit thing here, but yeah. and that in this instance is telling me that it's the end of the story, but that's not necessarily true. Sometimes you have a couple of pages, then you have your credits, and then a couple more. And what's, um, what's, what's interesting here is that the writer here, Saladin Ahmed, has done a lot of Marvel stuff that I think, you know, from what I've sampled of his work, it's been very good. So, yeah, I've I've read some of his comics. I've read some of his prose. Uh, I think I generally quite like his his stuff. Not all of it, but I, I think he's a very capable writer. Um, but he's very good, and I think this this story doesn't really show off any of his skills or any of his quality because it if, just ends so quickly. There's no story to tell. Right. If you're a you know purely a DC fan, you know you don't read anything from Marvel really or elsewhere. Um, and you know there are a lot of people like that who do, who are out there. And you know, and this is your first experience with Salah and Ahmed. You're not going to have a great impression of, of him as a writer going forward from this. Whereas you know, we both know, okay, no, he's capable of a lot better at this. We've seen it. Um, but if this is your first exposure uh, to his work, I, I, I get why you might. You know, next time you see his name, you probably wouldn't be excited, which is a shame because I think he's, you know, he can do a lot of good stuff. Uh, Scott Eaton's on the art, which is fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it looks all right. It does exactly what it's supposed to do. Uh, I I like his designs for you know, old Ollie, and uh, I like I like this particular Hal design, you know, with the the shoulder pads and the, the collar. I think it looks pretty decent for this type of Hal. 
It's just, it's once again, I'm, there's a theme of these stories in this book where I don't really feel that there are stories. They're just like, here's a world, and we don't really have a story to tell in that world. We're just going to show you the, the bare bones idea the, the of it. Barely even vignettes. <laughs> there's, just, there's no like lesson by the end. There's no nothing. This just ends with the fight starting. And it's not that dissimilar to the Super Pets one where it feels like there's not really a story outside of just, here's the concept. Oh, it's time to end. Um... And that, that just is a, a per, something that's permeating throughout the issue. And the next one, um, which is called The Fear Index, written by Brandon Thomas and art by Tom Mandrake, this is a world where Scarecrow's fear toxin is basically just getting to the atmosphere and the entire world's been just infected with it. And there's some nights where it's worse and it'll be a factor of eight, I think they say later, which is like the, the you know, like you just can't survive if you're outside in that. Um, mm. And this guy at the start gets, as I say, this guy, Jean Paul Valley. <laughs> you don't know that at the start, though. You don't find out who he is until a bit later. Yeah. Uh, at the start, he's just a blonde guy in a hoodie. Um, and he gets his mask rip- ripped off by some muggers, and luckily for him, no steel comes and saves him. Um, I will say, I-, I get that the art is doing like Scarecrow Vision, where the next page is like, there's this like, demonic looking, you know, it looks like Bane and some other characters, and it's the idea that. Jean Paul's so scared that this is what he's seeing. Is these weird, like oddly yeah, shaped it, it, versions it, of things. Uh, it's like an Azrael bat as well, isn't it? At the front. The problem is, is that I, I just it's just kind of a mess to look at. Um, I, I think these couple of pages here, I just didn't necessarily find them all that. I don't know, engaging. I know I'm with you. I was thinking this as well because I think most of the story is fine, where he's not affected by it. It's not my favorite art. Uh, don't get wrong, but it's fine. Um, but those couple of pages where everything's distorted and blown up and kind of like ethereal 90s is how I want to describe it. Yeah, it's just kind of a mess. I don't, I don't think it really flows. There's not enough context for what's happening in the scene, I don't think, to really have that. Yeah. any of this feel like it has impact or context. Um, but, you know, still comes and saves him. It just kind of explains what's going on back at his lair. And then... He's like, yeah, I've got a bit more. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of a, I guess, a nice little point that's made in here where Steel explains that some people just have a natural, not resistance, he's not immune to it by any means, but he can handle it a bit better uh, than some others can. A better constitution. Yeah. Um, and he, he talks about how certain people, like certain groups of people, if they've been forced to like endure uh, some of the, 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 the worst aspects of human history brutality and humiliation oppression things like that that it's kind of almost built into you know it's kind of like evolution where just naturally uh, those people are, are built up to so there's, so there's kind of like a uh how do i phrase this there's like a it's, 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 i mean it's obviously addressing things like oppression and slavery here it's, ta- it's talking about the idea that he's got built up a little bit of uh toughness towards fear because like his, because social his, immunity because as people have like had to deal with this, and you know, feeling constant fear is something they've already had to live with. It's this idea that lends to so there's kind of a nice point being made in this, you know, but story. It's kind of just a throwaway bit of dialogue at the end, really. It doesn't actually, the story doesn't make that point. It's just he kind of says that at the end. Yeah, he kind of says that separately, and I, again, it just ends with him holding up his hammer, saying, "Well, there's always more work to do." Again, it just feels like it. Again. Here's the concept of a world, but with no story. <laughs> yeah. 
we're doing this. And I was shocked when I turned the page and that was it. That was like, I was on the ads at the end. I was like, oh, okay. I, I was shocked and relieved at the same time. Because I'm oh. like, oh, oh, that's it. I'm done. It's it's not 80 pages. Because thank God if there were 80 oh, pages God. and there was like twice as much of this. Oh, okay. I was I was expecting that to go back to Robin King at the end to wrap up Cryptkeeper style. I felt like it was going that way. I, I get that. Um, but I mean, I, I did happen to read the opening contents page, so I knew it wasn't going to. Oh, look at me. I read the contents page. I'm sorry for reading what the book gives me. <laughs> I never read the contents page in these anthologies. Never. I, I do, so I can be aware if there are any obvious teams where I'm like, nope, don't, I'm not reading that story. Ah, no, there's a surprise element. you got to go through and be, get any surprise, or in some cases, a nasty surprise. Uh, and then sometimes when they don't tell you till the end of the story who, who's, who's on it, it's like a, a nice surprise. Like, oh, that makes sense why I like this, because it's this person. <laughs> <laughs> my, my my time is valuable and I'm like nope I can skip that one I can skip that one but yeah, in this yeah. one there, there were no teams like that no no obvious red flags uh, it sort of says I read it all mm. and then I'm like eh probably could have read none of that it's skippable it's totally skippable I, I, there's not a whole lot to to really say about it honestly uh, I, I don't really have anything positive to really recommend it I, I feel like, like We've we've done a couple of these before. We've got these anthologies about different stories of these different dark multiverses or different Batman or different whatever. Uh, you know, all tied into the idea of all these worlds and this and this crisis in the dark multiverse. And I feel like this is just maybe one time going back to the well too much. Where I don't know if there was any actual good ideas for this one because before we've had some really great standout examples in those anthologies of hey, this is this one or two stories have really really made that one worth it. And there's a nice lot of context because a lot of these Batman that they're telling us about. They're popping up in the main book, you know, later on with Castle Bat or later on with the, the, the baby one. or like They all felt like they ended up kind of being something later. I don't feel like any... I mean, maybe one of these will be referenced later, but I don't see how. If anything, it'll probably be this last one, where maybe this version of Steel will show up to help out at some point. Uh, un unless yeah. unless they end up um like fighting through some of these Earths that have arrived, or perhaps... We won't see this steel, but we'll see like some people from this earth, and it's like, why are they all so crazy? And they'll say, oh, on that earth, everyone's been like, do you know, doped up on scarecrow gas for years. It'll be okay. So that's the tie to this. That's the tie to this. This which story. I, I can definitely see happening. At which point, I'm fine with just that line of dialogue. I, yes. I didn't need this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or likewise, we'll see the demonic, you know, Arkham inmates or something. So, oh, on that earth, this happens, and it's like, okay, fine. Yeah, I I can see three panels of someone from the Justice League fighting those. Yes, uh, you know a a rage zombie of uh, one of the animals like showing up. You know, like there's there's possibilities, but I'm not so sure if this added death into those. No, I don't think it did. If if, if indeed they do pop up in some way, uh, but. Yeah, this this seems skippable. So I, I I mean I don't think many people actually wait and hear our thoughts before they buy their books for the week. But it's one of those things where maybe some of these are borderline, and you wait to hear our thoughts before you you know sl you know throw down the five six dollars whatever this costs. I can't remember. Especially if you're a digital reader, where it's yeah. easy to just hold off, and then uh, or or maybe it's some of these you weren't planning on buying at all until you hear people talk about it. You know, oh, actually, I'll go and grab that. Cause I I mean I've done that before, but in the past. Oh with, sure. You know, you know, hot buzz from other people. I'm like, hey, I'll go check this out. Um, like one of the big examples with the uh, the Tom King Looney Tunes uh, uh, book, mm. the, the the crossover, the Elmer Fudd one. 
Um, I, I had no intention of picking it up until I heard all the buzz, and then I went and checked it out, and it was fantastic. Anyway, what are you giving this? I'll give it a four. It's not terrible, but it, it does nothing to justify its existence. Yeah. I, I don't know if... I think all of the individual stuff is probably a five, but I'm going to give it a four as well, because I think it's somehow all feeling equally kind of pointless and annoys me a little bit more as a whole. The sum of the parts is more annoying it's, it's, than any individual part. So, If any of these stories were a backup on another book, you'd be like, eh, it's a very skippable backup. I might dock half a point. But when it's a full book of those, it's like, oh, really? This is it? Over and over again? I, I wouldn't always dock, dock anything for a bad backup. If, if, if the main story was like a 10 out of 10 perfect, I'm, I'm just going to disregard the backup. and just Because if I cared that much about the main story, if it was that good, I'm not going to let some stupid backup like infect my opinion of it uh i am it's part of the comic technicalities if, if, if i if i got something i'm not happy with i'm not letting some backup ruin it for it um anyway so that was uh the the multiverse who laughs yes the dc comics bank account who laughs because they've got your money already potentially um and then you've realized that you didn't need to spend it and that's 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 it's a shame it's that's a tragedy something. oh dear Wonder Woman 767, Mariko Tamaki writing with Rafa Sandoval on the art. Uh, the next part in this Maxwell Lord story. And kind of a conclusion for now, surprisingly. Um, I, I think this run keeps surprising us with how quickly it wraps up things that we think are going to be lasting it, a while. There there are some examples of this where, like, I mean, this isn't actually, you know, not, not comic specifically, but like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in TV, you know, mm. constantly surprised us with how quickly, or it was such a pleasant surprise. It was Oh, nothing's dragged out. It's it's so quick. It, it's getting to the point. Whereas this, I'm kind of feeling a little bit like, no, no, no could have done with some more time spending on some of this stuff. Like these these were really strong elements that I was really enjoying, and I feel like we're just rushing through them. We've got we've got to hit the beats. I think a lot, a lot. I like a lot of this issue, and I think the actual fight, if you want to call it that, between Wonder Woman and Max, where he's essentially using his main powers to control her, because because she walks in, she sees liar, liar. And I thought it was a bit weird. Not, not that she's act, not that Liar Liar was acting out of character, but it, the scene felt kind of weird. So I was very pleased when it became clear that no, she's not really there. This is Max is just making her see Liar Liar. I, it was honestly it was my first thought. I was like, yeah. "There's no way she's here. Yeah. This has got to be Max." And it becomes this kind of you know because I, I think the scenes that I really like in here, you know, he makes her commit essentially seppuku. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> With... he's, he tells he tells her to stab herself. Yes, and to be fair, because I went back and checked after it's revealed what she did to sort of survive, and to be fair, it all works because it all is, we... it's in a gorgeous silhouette. Yeah, we never from the angle we see it, her actually doing the classic, you know, under the armpit. I mean, she does cut herself because te- it's a technicality. He says, you know, stab yourself, and she does technically break skin, but she breaks it at the side of her, you know, side as opposed to, uh, you know, through the chest, through her or chest. whatever. Yeah. Um. You know, big, great, you know, full page spread of her getting back up. Um, uh, I, why the, the ground is crumbling into rocks as she step, stands up, I'm not entirely sure. She's that angry that her footsteps are... Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know on that one. Uh, reasons. <laughs> but, no, I, I like this idea of him, like, saying, you know, you will bend to my will, you will do this, you will do that. And it's this, you know, constant fight. Because he says, you know, put your sword down, and this, or this, you know, the sword weighs, it becomes sword's heavy. heavy. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it falls down. She's trying to lift it up out the rock. And I get why the rock's crumbling at this point because the, the sword's, you know, hit it. Yeah. And, like, 
this like sort of battling of wills. Like, I, I love this idea, but you know how like the classic struggle of like I can't believe with this example, but Joe and X Men: The Last Stand when you've got you got Iceman <laughs> and you've got Pyro and they've got that was not the example I was expecting. You've got the, the, that classic, not classic in the movie, but cl- the classic example of uh, the two opposing energy blasts hitting each other and it going back and forth, right in the middle. For, for someone who would like a better example, that's that's better than that movie. Uh, Pete, Pete won't care as much. I mean, he probably likes it equally. Uh, but uh, Harry Potter, uh, they do that repeatedly between Harry and Voldemort. Whatever. Uh, I don't watch Larry Potter. Okay. Um, so, but I, I like the idea of that, but it's invisible, and that's essentially what this is. Where Max is trying to control it and she's trying to fight it, and it's this like struggle back and forth between them. Uh, as she's coming for him. And I think that's actually done quite effectively. Um, where... It, and I, I think... It may, it is, but while it may be a bit over the top with like the ground crumbling at one room's feet, which is basically in every single panel of her uh, throughout this yeah. entire fight, I think it's actually maybe a little bit of artistic license in the sense that it's doing an effective job of making this feel like an epic fight despite the fact they're essentially both just like standing still and maybe you know kneeling down here or there or... Do you think there was like maybe recently an earthquake or something? Because when she hits Max eventually and he mm-hmm. goes into the ground, he shatters the ground as well. <laughs> I'm like, this is this is a very weak concrete floor. I mean, <laughs> Virgo needs to invest in some better castles. Um, I I mean, yeah, yes, that's uh, that's fair. Uh, so you know, he she she arrests him, and that's that's all that hunky dory. Um, interestingly, though, he does bring up you know like hey we've seen things from the multiverse and I saw you kill me. You killed me. And damn it, I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to, I'm going to get my revenge. Um, I do kind of like uh, that. I, I will say, that reminds me that there was a lot of editor's notes in the first half of this. It, it went away after a while. Like By the time we mm. got to the next snap flashback and it said all the way back in Infinite Crisis, from that point on, they kind of disappeared. But there was like five editor's notes before that, which felt a bit I think weird. Like one of them was like, hey, last issue. And I'm like, Oh, okay, that yeah, that probably doesn't need the like you know. It was the one about Count Vertigo. I'm like, do we need one for last issue? Just a bit overzealous, I think, on the editor's notes. Yeah. But um, but the actual fight, I really, I like the Infinite Crisis sort of coming into it as part of his motivations. Like him, the idea of him learning that is very mm-hmm. interesting. It's a nice. Yeah, I don't think it's an intentional callback, but it reminds me back in uh, Justice League versus Suicide Squad when I got excited because Superman knew who maxwell lord is and everyone else like didn't really know how seriously to treat him yet and superman's like no i know him and it was this big sort of moment i love the idea of it coming a little bit full circle here with now max remembering things from that timeline that he has a grudge to pick with wonder woman because of course he does because she's the one who killed him so uh that makes a lot of sense to me and i think the art is fairly solid but honestly my only real complaint that bothered me throughout is that sometimes the lasso like on her on her Bell's not the right word, but when it's hanging from her, on a on a hip, yeah. Um, sometimes it was drawn in a way where it looked like it was more like a, a cloth because like all the the strands just kind of were solid together, and it's not yeah, a big okay. deal, but it just it's something that I noticed uh, a couple of times. And I, I've got like I, I'm finding Sandoval is very hit or miss for me. It seems I thought it was just Flash where I didn't really like him, but I. I found he has a similar problem on this as well, where every so often, like, people will just look weirdly chunky, like, in, in, in a panel here or there. 
like it's not as consistent as like his Barry Allen was. Don't get me wrong, mm. but there are points where like all of a sudden like Diana has a really fat face out of nowhere, for for example. Um, but it, it's consistent with all the characters that that it's like this. Um, and I don't know. It, it's just something that I'm, I'm I'm finding I don't enjoy that much, even though I you know I thought I liked Sandoval and it was just it was just his flash that I didn't enjoy. It's not it's not terrible. Um, I'm a little disappointed that we are having another artist on this arc. Like you know, it, it's a two issue thing here that, that we, we essentially with with the last issue with the with Vertigo, and we we couldn't have had the same artist for the two issues. No, no, no consistency for you. Uh, no. it's not allowed. Uh, I, I mean, they are. I mean, Sandoval's not like my favorite artist by any means, but I do think there's some great pages in here, some great panels, some great moments. Um, they're not all up to the same standard, and I think that's a fair point. But I mean, for the most yeah. part, I was pretty happy with it. It's it's not bad. I say it's there are some great moments. Um, it's just a bit inconsistent. I think is this my problem? Like, like the, the um the silhouette stabbing, and then uh you know her lying on the floor and, uh, with Max at the throne. I think is one of the best pages in in the issue. I think that that looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely not all bad. Yeah, the ending is kind of interesting, I guess, uh, where Wonder Woman's just sort of, you know, relaxing a bit because she's been through an ordeal. And uh, it is like, no, take a day off. You can save the world tomorrow. You've had a had a rough time. Uh, but Max is taken to prison. He's got a big neck collar on that's like blocking his powers, uh, as you'd expect. The usual, yeah. Yes. Uh, but he gets stabbed in his cell uh, by Liar Liar, who's in there uh, waiting for him. Uh, and it's just setting up that Liar Liar is going to be, uh, I assume, prominent in the story uh, next next couple of well, issues. Well, I mean, it, it does say next Liar Liar returns, so it yes. seems a reasonable assumption. Um, so we'll have to see. I'll have to see what they do with Liar Liar on her own terms, away from her father. Because you know, so far she showed up. She was trying to do this for for her dad, and now with him being locked up and her, you know, given that she stabs him and says, "Long live the king," or not, he he. But certainly imply that she's going solo <laughs> and going her own way. So we'll yeah. see how. I hope this wasn't a uh, fatal stabbing because that would be really disappointing to have oh, just I, I doubt lost it. Max Lord like that. I, I highly doubt it. I, I wouldn't even. This is not that you're. No, act... I know this, not, this not, is comic. Not that you're acting the same way, but to... assuming that Max was actually dead here would be a lot like Matt thinking Superboy was dead in that issue of Action Comics that he freaked out about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, this is the thing. I don't think he actually is. I'm pretty sure. He's not. But they, hey. they go out of, out of this way to look pretty dead. And, you know, the dialogue, like, long live the king or not, is very clearly implying that, that, that he's that he's dead here. There's an implication, at least, which is more than it seemed like with Matt's situation. Um, but I'm sure they'll they'll rush him into treatment and they'll save his life somehow. You know, he's not quite dead, the, the usual. She doesn't check a pulse. She's just hoping he's dead. She, she's, she's being yeah. egotistical. Has she stabbed anyone before? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But I, I want to know: Does she have a good motivation here for for patricide, or is it just just for the hell of it? I will find out next issue, I suppose, if we get a bit more context yeah. for it. And and she's got some fancy light armor. Yes, uh, the blade um, itself also looks like it may be magical, just because it's got a, it's a you know it's a sleek handle with a design on it. May not be, but <laughs> and so I was like, what's your basis for this? I mean, it's it's a it's a nicely carved handle. Well, I didn't see that. I'm just I'm going alongside with the magical armor. It just it feels like maybe it's a. I mean, it, it might be. There's not enough for me to say though. Definitely not. But it didn't stand out 
as magical to me, especially next to the the magic, the mystical light armor, which it seems to be pretty, you know, translucent. Um, it's quite a nice design uh, for that. I do like that. Hmm. Um, I don't know. It, it looks like the magical knife in Demon's Souls. Maybe that's why I'm thinking that. I've been playing too much video games. Well, I mean, fair enough. I, but, I, I can't comment on that one. But, yes. Um... I like this issue more than the last one. I will say, it doesn't feel like the run so far is necessarily living up to the heights that Mariko Tamaki can soar to. Uh, you know, I think her X-23 is better than this, but um, it's still relatively early days yet. Uh, I feel like, so far, all the beats I've liked, like all the major beats, um, they're just not they're not hitting the execution, they're not hitting the timing of these beats, perhaps. Like, you know, I'm saying, you know, I feel like, hey, you know, Laya Laya has only been gone for like four issues, and then okay, we're back. You know, like, okay, that, that feels really soon. Max Lord was only really around for one proper arc. It's like, okay, this this feels like it's over quite quickly, but I like the core beats that it is doing at the start and end of all these stories. I just I feel like there's not enough time for them. It's one of those things, though, where every single issue is very easy and enjoyable to read, so um, mm -hmm. there's definitely something to be said for that. But Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Um, what are you giving it? Uh, I'm just going to give this a straight seven. Yeah, I'll probably go and nudge up. I'll say seven point five. Um, mm -hmm. I even have to go with the eight. I I really like the battle of uh, sort of the main battle that happens as, nice. as he's trying to control her and she's kind of fighting back. Like I actually really like that, and that's that's a good. I'd probably say it's like a half the issue in the middle of it. Uh, it's at least that. a third, yeah. yeah. So really, really good stuff uh, with that. So yeah, the Flash seven six six Kevin Shinnick and Will. Conrad on the art. This is wrapping up this four-issue fill-in arc uh, before Endless Winter begins, and I'm happy it's over. <laughs> I'll say that much. <laughs> I, I, I forgot to read it. Uh, I, I thought, oh. oh, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Um, and and then I was reading all my books before we started. And, uh, I was like, eh, eh. I, oh, well. I, I don't even know. What... So if you remember last last issue, it's established this idea that Desmond was it kind of merged with all of the past like holders of the Philosopher's Stone. So all the previous alchemies and other chemists who had ever used it. And Desmond seems a bit more straight-headed because he, he sort of like fights through and talks to Barry for a minute and says, Oh, you have to recreate the Philosopher's Stone. Maybe then I'll be able to like fight back against these others. And Barry's like, how do I know I can trust you? And he's like, well, you don't. But, I mean, these guys all seem worse. Uh, Barry gets John Stewart to take out his uh, eye cameras, if you remember he's got those, and his pupils. Um, they I'd talk forgotten, to be honest. Yeah, they talked to Will Mag Magnus, uh, because one of his ancestors is one of the uh, the chemists, you know, the, the tied to alchemy. Um, honestly, though, Barry ends up just kind of like... He essentially builds the Philosopher's Stone off-panel, right? We never actually see him really do it. It just kind of has happened, apparently. And he runs into alchemy. They fight. It turns out Desmond was being coy, and he's actually not as out of control as he seemed to be, and he's actually pretty evil. Um, And there's, like, a weird moment here in the middle where alchemy uses the stone to, like, start to turn all the buildings in the street that they're on into acid. Um. And Barry yells out, he's turned the buildings into liquid acid. And of course, my mind could only go, boiling acid! Uh, I can't blame me on that one. 
That's a Batman Forever reference for everyone. <laughs> That's a very on-brand movie reference for this show. Yes, yeah, it's a DC movie. It's a DC movie, but... Um... <laughs> I'm just always laughing because I, I, that last time we watched it to review, I, it was the first time I'd ever noticed that that same character popped up again at the, uh, later on, and he's the one who yells out, "It's Batman!" as he like jumps through yeah, the. I'm pretty the sure window. half of our review is you just doing that line over and over again. <laughs> it's boiling acid. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> Barry saves people. Um, he uses the force. Yes, he uses his Philosopher's Stone that he made to change the acid into, like, ice or something. I don't know. He's, he's, he's transmuted things. Look, I'll be honest. This issue, like, it was so, I, I was so out of it and didn't even really want to read it that much. I thought, I'll just do it to finish things off. That I was kind of skimming it a bit more than reading it in depth by the time I got to the back half because I really didn't give a shit about anything that was happening. You, you were hoping I'd read it as well so I could pick up on some of these bits. I, I was, yeah. So you've left me hanging here, you little prick. So, well... You know, but yeah. basically, Barry starts running around him, and something, something, you're doomed to turn to stone because you're using the philosopher's stone chemical reaction. Something, something. <laughs> this is another one of those weird <laughs> leaps that runs had. I mean, I could read you the couple of narration boxes that explain it if you want. I mean, I. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if there's an actual good explanation or if this is just another one of those weird, oh, well, that must be the case and leap to this and that, like like, like this arc has done consistently. Uh, hold on, hold on. Both Alchemy and I are using Elysium, uh, which is the element that Barry created, of course, if you've forgotten that, to protect his ring from the Speed Force or something. Sure. Uh, to protect ourselves from the Philosopher's Stone. He uses it to stop the stone from taking over his body, so it occurred to me that I could use it to possibly block the stone from taking over my mind. My greatest scientific... Because the stone's corrupted everyone that's ever used it, so that's just how Barry uses it and doesn't get screwed up. Blah, blah, blah. Sure. My greatest scientific contribution is Lysium. It isn't creating Lysium, but it's finding a way to dissolve it using rapid friction and leave the alchemy open to all attacks and all the stone's properties. So basically, he's disintegrating the protective Lysium that alchemy's using to protect himself from the stone. And when he dissolves it all... Alchemy turns to stone. And that's that's how he defeats Alchemy. So, he's literally a stone statue when Barry defeats Never him. Never to be seen again. He's taken, I think he's taken to like, is it the museum he's taken to? Uh, it's Iron Heights, he's, of course it's Iron Heights, why would it be a museum? But he's literally, but what's funny is he's literally got like a, like a base with a plaque on it, as if he's actually a statue that was like put up. It's, like on a plinth. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's a scene where Barry's like hiding outside like a jewelry shop and the guy comes out and he's like, hey, you're looking for a ring. I can see that look in your face. And he's like, oh, no, not really. I was just, I'm waiting for a friend. He's like, a lady friend? He's like, well, yeah, technically, but I wasn't looking for a ring. And it's been, the guy's just like, hey, look, if you, if you when, it's, when it's time to take that step, come back and come see me because I want to help you get the right ring. Um, so it's, <laughs> I want that sale, damn it. So it, it's... Uh, I guess it's seeding the idea of like setting up the Barry Iris marriage, which I was not expecting from a fill-in arc. All I'm saying is, frankly, if Barry doesn't propose with the Flash Ring, what's the point? I, yeah, I mean, maybe it's because DC have got plans coming up soon to actually address a Barry and Irish marriage of some kind, and they told you know the fill-in writer here to like you know put in the first little inkling of that idea uh, for later. But it does feel a little bit of nowhere here. It's, it felt that feels particularly weird after this arc in particular, where their relationship was all over the place. Yeah, it felt really weird and not even rocky, just 
oddly early a, a character and we yeah and early and weird and yeah uh so barry runs away from iron heights um says he's going to keep his head on straight and it just says to be continued in justice league endless winter issue one i mean it's not really a continuation of this i mean unless the statue of alchemy pops up in the story no i, I can tell you now that like for example uh justice league dark the the, the end of that also says to be uh. continued in, in Endless winter and i don't think the final page is a tease for that i think it's a tease for after future state uh basically yes I think that's fair. I probably, yeah, I just want people to buy Endless Winter. <laughs> that, essentially, what it is. I, I suspect Endless Winter uh, will be more enjoyable than this flash art. I, I will be shocked if it's not. Mm. As for a rating, I mean, it's, it, it may be the worst of the four issues just because it. <laughs> it was such a low bar already. The structure just isn't there. So I'm, I'm probably going to go with like. Four point five, four. I'll go with four. I'll go with a straight four. I was gonna like. I'm not gonna lie. Right, we've talked about three books so far, and I've given out to. I've given out a four point five and a four. I'm not happy. Okay, it's not. It's not been a good week of comics so far. It's, it's really not, has it? And I've not even got to the Meet a Junior book yet. <laughs> oh God, yeah, that's still to come. <laughs> oh dear. Okay, Tom Taylor. Our Lord and Savior will save us because Suicide Squad number eleven. Tom Taylor, of course, writing Phil Redondo on the art. The final issue of this run of this book, even. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there'll be a Suicide Squad at some point again with different characters. Uh, probably but... March. Probably March. Uh, that was the implication, but Connor had to spell it out because that's how he rolls. I, I just you know, being clear that it's not just going to be at some point; it'll be at the first opportunity. So. Jog is alive because it turns out he's half god. Yeah, this this far out of nowhere. This feels out of nowhere. I did laugh quite a bit though, the way he just kind of like nonchalantly tells the black racer he's not interested in finding out about his godhood. He's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm gonna go see my friends. Leave me alone. Yeah. Um that this is to me a sign, and I, I already felt this. I already felt given things that Taylor said on Twitter and, and various other things. But I, I really, I think this actually kind of confirms that there's plans for these characters going forward. This in particular, this scene, setting up this idea that he's like half God and that this is why he's alive. And it's going to be, I feel like this says, no, no, Taylor's got something that he's going to do with this later in some other book. And we've been Absolutely. saying, we've been saying for a long time as well that past a certain point, the story of the revolutionaries is not a Suicide Squad story anymore. So it wouldn't make sense to keep doing it in a Suicide Squad book. And, uh, I mean, just two things to add to this. He, he even mentioned this week he's working on his next project with Bruno Redondo. So, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. And I think, if if nothing else, the final page, uh, not to jump ahead too much, but the final page establishes this, where you, usually the uh, the credits page has the big Suicide Squad, you know, mm -hmm. uh, as part of the title sequence. That's not in this issue. And the credits page is at the end. It's the very last thing. And it says, The Revolutionaries. I think it's pretty clear there's going to be a Revolutionaries book to follow this up. Yeah, if it's not called that, then at least that's where it's going to be uh, in spirit. Yeah, I mean, I'll be, I think I'll be surprised if it's not just called that at this point. Um, I think that's the most recognizable thing, the, the way that they can market it, is, is it's that book. Um, but, I mean, we'll see. The sad part of that is, is it'll be lucky if it, it gets to 12 issues, to be honest. I, I, as much as I like this, I don't think the book's going to sell that well, just because it's a bunch Probably of new characters. Not. Yeah. Uh, um, it's, it's not going to be long for this world, and 
Um, but that's fine. If they go into it saying this is a 12-issue book and it, you know, we can tell his story, then that's fine. But it's a shame that... It's, it's when he goes in with five years of plans and they give him 12 yeah. issues. It's just a shame that... That's just because it's new characters, no matter how much we may love it, and I'm sure we will because we've been loving this, that it's just not going to sell that well and therefore it's going to be DOA immediately. It's yeah. going to be like, okay, this, this was always days are numbered the second it hits the stand. This does kind of lead into some of my problems with this issue. Is in uh, You know, I still like most of the issue. It's very good. It's Tom Taylor. He's still writing all his usual banter and dialogue. It's great stuff. I do think it's the weakest issue of the run uh, because I think it doesn't really have a proper ending. It is very much like, hey, you know, there's there's more coming. We're, we're, we're going to get to the rest of it. And it doesn't feel like an ending to this story in, in a lot of ways. Uh, that's fair. But when we get the eventual revolutionaries omnibus, and it'll start with issues 1 to 11 of Suicide Squad, this is just act one of whatever yes. the story Ab- is. Absolutely. I assume. Yeah. So, yeah, so Zebra Man is a contain the blast from the girl. Uh, Jog comes in and they're like, you die. He's like, yeah, I got better. <laughs> and basically, <laughs> he speeds out Zebra Man out to the ocean so that he can let the blast go. Um, although I do like this the little touch of, uh, you know, like Zebra Man starting to like falter. He's like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And the other guy, I can't remember his name, uses uses his powers to say pride. And Zebra Man's like, yes, I can do this, damn it. I'm the best. I'm the best. I can do this. Like he, he uses it to motivate. So it's, it's, it's like a positive use of his powers uh, as opposed yeah. to the usual negative one. Um, I mean, it's still one of the, the seven sins, uh, of course, but still. Um, so yeah, that, that's how it is. I, I love the full page spread of Jog holding Zebra Man. You know, like Superman would hold Lois in the in the carry position. Yeah, running from the blast, but it's this big bulky Zebra Man. I, I, I like it. It's, it's amusing. Yeah, it's all very good. But uh, I like how he just like chucks him on the ground when he gets back as well. Yes. So, and he's like, hey, uh, fill me in. Should I leave the girl who was going to explode out there to die? And like, no, <laughs> okay, I'll go get her. <laughs> I do like this takes place over literally three panels. Like, yes. He gets back, throws Zebra Man. He's like, should I leave in the middle of the ocean? And he's like, no, runs back out and then back. And then Zebra Man hits the ground. Like, it's all in that, that yeah. space of that. It's, yeah. it's pretty good. White Wink's very distressed. Like, no, 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 no. Go save her. Go save her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all very good. Um, I also laugh. So Justice League shows up to take in Black Mask into custody. Uh, I did cackle quite a bit. They hardly shooting Black Mask in the leg, and then Osita doing the same thing. It was a very good bit of dark comedy. Uh, you know, it was. It's hard. I I can't not read that and think of Terminator Two when John Connor makes Arnold promise not to kill anyone, and he's just a guard on the knee and says he'll live. <laughs> like that's all I could think about when I get this joke. But, sure. Uh, that that's essentially what it is. Um. And then they basically they call in diplomatic immunity, basically. <laughs> diplomatic hey, immunity! How do you go do that? But they basically go, hey, mom, can you stop the Justice League taking us, please? Well, she, she does. She, she stands up against Batman and uh, basically burns him and talks him, talks him off the country. Uh, yeah. it's, it's delightful in all of a sudden. Go, go deal with your own American shit problems. Uh, Harley's leaving the group, so like, hey, I'm sure, you know, I'm proud of you guys, whatever you're going to do is going to be great, but I have to go and speak to Deadshot Star, and brings her his mask, and it's like, basically offers us some three ther- therapy, so like, I'm going to stick around and make sure you're okay, uh, so they go back inside, so she can hear stories about her dad, and, um, and that's the other thing that I think, oh, I've got a feeling that Taylor's going to do something with Deadshot Star. Like, it just it feels ripe for exploration. She, she feels primed to be joining the revolutionaries at some point in there. 
sequel series. Yeah. Um, hell, I'll even take a live shot miniseries if, if he wants to. Um, I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll buy that as well, don't get me wrong. I ain't going to complain. Um, I think it's interesting that he's kind of creating his own little corner of the DCU that's, you know, it had Harley and Deadshot in it, but for the most part, it's kind of its own new thing. And, you know, Deadshot's daughter as a character is not new, but doing something with her where she's kind of like the, the new Hawkeye and the way Kate Bishop became Hawkeye is kind of an interesting and I like that method. Deadshot's actually dead. Right for, for now. I know. I know. We. I, I know. It's for now. I know. This is comics. Nothing is forever. But the fact that it's stuck even to the end of this series, surprising. Like when we heard. I mean, it must be about four months ago now, where we first heard. Oh, I'm gonna kill Deadshot. Yeah. Right. Right. When, when it was getting solicited, and we all went. Yeah. Right. Whatever. And then it happened in that issue, and we were like, oh, oh, we actually did it. And then there was no immediate reversal in the next couple of issues. That it's no, no, no. That's landed. That is the status quo at least for a little while. And that's kind of exciting that, that you know, that it, it tells me that, that Taylor does actually have, I don't want to say pull, but he has some leeway in the, the DC editorial offices where he can actually, you know, pull off some story beats because he wants to pull off the story beat and not, you know, and not just immediately get shut down. Yeah, uh, the ending scenes of the, the issue are that the revolutionaries round up several world leaders, one of which is very clearly meant to be the current president of the United States. Uh, not only because he's golfing, but because... I mean, he doesn't look exactly like him, but there's a lot of similarities. Uh, the, 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 he does in the... Um, when he's holding his, the panel, his, yeah. his hands against his ears, he looks he looks like Trump. He just does. Yeah, I mean, the only way they could have made it clearer was making it a red hat instead of a blue one. Yes, yes. I feel like that was... See, it's a blue hat. You can't, you can't sue us. It's a blue hat. <laughs> it does feel a little bit like that. <laughs> that said, I mean, I, I think it could, would fall under parody anyway. Because yeah, I, I know in, uh, yeah. like in, in Once and Future, the, the Gillen King Arthur thing, they're doing a similar thing right now with Boris Johnson. But uh, so they round up some world leaders uh, from various places, and they essentially say to them, "We're not going to kill you, uh, but we have all the evidence of all the ways that you have used Task Force X in the past. So some of you have funded it, some of you have used it for your dirty work, some of you have benefited from it. Blah blah blah. Uh, you've ordered assassinations, you've done all this shady stuff, and if any of you ever come after us, you know, essentially to clear their own names and sort of keep themselves off the hook." Uh, we'll release everything, and your families, everyone you, that knows you, will find out about everything you've ever done. And uh, this is kind of their. So it sets up this new status quo where they're not on the run anymore, uh, which I think is a very important thing. If this is Act One of this this you know team, and that we're getting into an Act Two now where they can operate without being on the run from, you know, the international justice system essentially, um, mm. that sets up a really cool thing. Um, so I, I do kind of agree that there's a lot of like finale stuff in this that feels that makes it feel like a little less special than a lot of the other issues. But um, it's, I, it's not, a very good issue. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what I would ask for different, to be honest. Uh, in the context of what it is and the fact that we are going to get more, like we are. There's there's no doubt that we're getting more. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we are. Uh, like, uh, there's uh, you know undeniable, I think, at this point. They, they haven't officially announced it, but Honestly, the biggest thing I would say that is my, you know, in terms of an actual problem beyond just the, the final stuff is I wish the jog stuff didn't just feel like out of nowhere and really random and just like, I guess we're doing this now. I, I feel like I could have used some establishing or some time or not not just show up here and now. Like I don't know, it felt a bit, a bit weird to me. 
yeah um it didn't bother me too much it's, again because i just i feel like this is something that's going to be explored more uh by oh, I'm sure it is, yeah. um I, I think why i would commend this 11 issue book though and i think it ending with titling at the revolutionaries instead of just saying suicide squad like it normally would is a very bold claim of saying what the intent of this was it was about setting up this new team of characters and I've not necessarily recognized or remembered all of their names yet because it's a lot of new names, right? <laughs> and I struggle with names at the best of times. And I think it's it's notable. This is one of the only issues that hasn't had like it pop up with all their names, right? Most yeah, but issues the, do. Yeah, but the point I'm trying to make though is that the fact that they have done this to such an extent where I care about this team, I care about these characters, and I want to see more adventures with them, given how often comics try to make new characters and try to make them feel important, and I often... I, I often just end up feeling like I, not intentionally, but there's almost just this rejection of them in my taste and in my brain because it feels like you're trying to force something that isn't feeling natural or doesn't feel like it, it fits. And this was kind of a masterclass of just how to give a, a whole host of characters and just building them up a little by little and just through good writing, good interactions, good little bits of backstory here or there, and good storytelling makes characters. <laughs> what they are and makes them likable and makes them lasting and makes you want to see more of their, their journeys and not just feel like they're fodder for whatever the main hero of the book story is right and i think that's why you do this essentially this story here in a suicide squad book first and not a revolutionaries but one is the cynical side of no a suicide book has a, a built-in sales floor that they can guarantee a recoup of costs and maybe then the revolutionary sequel will sell more because it'll bring that audience along. Um, but the other part is it gives us an excuse to have them interact with a lot of key characters for the DC, like, like Harley, Deadshot, you know, and uh, even Amanda Waller at the start. Like we, we've got all these familiar faces that we could, that we all know and we know what they're supposed to sound like. And so we can, we've got a baseline for them to interact off of on a consistent basis, not just oh, a, a random guest star here or there in the first couple of issues. It's, no, no, here's 10, 11 issues with all, you know, with various DC characters consistently that gives you, you know, it forms these connections and makes them feel part of the universe and not just a separate bubble that, you know, they could have easily done if you just start in the Revolutionaries book. Yeah, so I'm excited to see more of this team. I'm excited to see more of the characters. Uh, you know, and it, we didn't really talk about the art or anything, but that's because Redondo's been doing the art for most of the book and it's been wonderfully consistent uh coloring across the board has been very vivid and bold and it's been a pleasure to read it's been a pleasure to just say it's been kind of a feast for the eyes every single issue um nice and clean and it's it's always popped uh, in, a, in a very fun way um even when it's doing like big or even dark beats at points yeah uh it's 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 felt like it's a tongue-in-cheek feels a little bit harsh but that sounds bad but i mean it in, in a good way in that sense like it's it's got a sense of humor to it it's having fun yeah uh so what are you giving it uh i'm gonna give it an eight which is the lowest i've given an issue of this 11 issue book but again it's still an eight it's still pretty good um 8.5 for me so that is suicide squad number 11 Action Comics 1027 Brian Michael Bendis writing with John Romita Jr. on the art uh, which I cover anyway but it is notable this this time this issue 
Uh, Connor, once again, as part of his Patreon books, which, you know, one of the higher tiers in patreon.com slash TV, you can make myself or Connor read a book. Uh, and once again, Action Comics was picked for Connor. So he's jumping back in to talk about this uh, John Romita Jr. masterclass in bad art. <laughs> so... <laughs> it is the end of the arc, uh, more or less. Uh, kind of wrapping up a bunch of stuff. The fight with Red Cloud has, has been going on. That kind of wraps up. Uh, Leon's kind of fled. Not just the city, but fled the Earth because she's from Earth 3. She's not been back to Earth 3 necessarily. She could have went to any Earth. But she's fled the Earth into another dimension. Um, Aiden Chase is interviewing Lois to be start with. And first of all, like there's, there's a moment, moment here in the first page. Not the recap or the email page, but they have the first proper page. Where Lois is meant to be like sort of puffing, right? As if she's like going pfft, right? And the way it's shown visually, it makes it look she's got like a bat signal coming out of her mouth. Is I, I, until I saw the sound effect that is next to it, I thought she was spitting. Because it looks like a solid thing, like not just some gas. It's got like really straight lines. If you're puffing, I feel like it's it's a bit more effervescent. Aye, but it's going up the way, which, which, which makes it look more like a light. It looks like a beam of light coming out of her mouth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the art in this, is, has, as has been with these Romita Junior issues, is, is basically horrendous from start to finish. And there's the, the only levels of, like, like the, the, it only ranges from really bad to absolutely horrendously bad. And there's some in between of that. But because as bad as this first page is, and this first page is really bad, there is worse. There's worse later on. Oh, where, there is, yeah. Where it bothered me even more. Um, I, I also had to say a maybe. Maybe this is partly me missing it, but uh, the font that they use to establish things here is is that a consistent thing all run, or is it just you know, uh, the, 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 you know, FBI now? No, that's been consistent. Yeah. Okay, because on like two pages later, it's it 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 says, oh, actually, this is you know Metropolis two hours ago, but with the it's the yellow with the red outline, and it's pasted sideways along a big tall thin panel that is mostly red i didn't actually see that those words because my eyes glossed over them because it was just red and it was vertical in a vertical panel so i didn't notice that there was words because it didn't stand out so a few panels later when it was like lois is being arrested i was like wait what's going on here like this, where's this timeline what's happening and it it took me a good 20 seconds to find that text on the page I didn't yeah. know if that was unique to this issue or if it was like a you know, consistent choice. So they were just trying to make the best of it. Well, I, I can't remember if that problem pops up before, but I mean that that font's been consistent. Mm. Okay. For the captions, um, Kara has to go grab Superman, who's basically lost the fight with Red Cloud. Well, the Superboys distract Red Cloud best they can, um. I, I, this is some of the stuff where I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at these this this fight in some of these panels and some of these pages, and I'm like, I can only imagine how good this fight might be if there was actually good art. <laughs> like, if there was a good artist actually doing this, there was um, there's the page where um, it's the uh, the 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 words are all broken up into individual bubbles. It's like, hey brain, you got or whatever, you know. Yeah, the idea is, um, is that they're going around in a circle, so every time they do a, a full like uh, you know round. Every time they yeah. come back round, they're getting one word out, and then they're going zoop. So, so hey, zoop brain, zoop you. Right. And it, 
so the, the actual lettering there and the where the bubbles are laid out actually does create that effect quite well. It, it does, and that wasn't going to be uh, my problem. I think on that particular panel, is that Connor Kent on the top, I'm assuming, because of the darker? Uh, uh, yes, yes, that's Connor yeah. on the top. Why are his hands all, like, tucked into his chest as he's flying? Like, in, in the... Because the, I went back and checked the page before, they are spread, you know, pushed forward, like, you know, the traditional Superman flying pose, you know, when they're going fast and they're pushing. And that one there, like, his arms, like, shrugs, all little T-Rex arms. Like, because, <laughs> I don't he, know what's going because on. he's a transformer and he's mid-transformation and he's coming into his chest and he's going to... I feel like that's as good an explanation as just Ramita Jr. Yes. Um... But aye, so they take Red Cloud to the Phantom Zone, Superman wakes up, um, and they actually give her a choice, and they're like, hey, you can stay here. I did think some of the dialogue here was a little bit out of character for Superman in particular. He feels a bit more, I don't know, vindictive than I would expect Superman to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where, and I, I do believe Superman would give her this choice, he's like, hey... Your powers are so dangerous that you actually might qualify for staying in the Phantom Zone. And this this is basically just like a hell world where some of the worst Kryptonian and superpowered beings have to go because they're just not safe to be anywhere else. And we all accept that. We all accept that, yeah, you, you can't just put Zod in a prison on Earth. It just doesn't work, right? Um, But he says, but no, if you make the choice to go serve your time in a human prison and maybe contribute back to society, you can do that. And I, I'd prefer you to do that. Uh, but that's not what he says here. He says... But make no mistake, I don't really care which one you pick. And I was like, that feels a bit dark coming from Clark. I, I feel like he wouldn't say it that way, but I mean... Yeah, yeah, I think the exact line is, I, I promise you, I'm okay either way. I'm like... Yeah, okay. my only explanation for it is that she has just killed someone, like an innocent person that Clark was friends with. So his, his emotions are a bit heightened. Because I don't mind, later on in the issue, he has a moment where he... Uh, like, imagines, like, destroying Star Labs. Because they're, talk they're talking about how... Star Labs are at the center of like so many things that have happened across Bendis' run, both in Superman action and also Young Justice. And there's this moment where Superman, it looks like he flies into the building and just disintegrates it, with you know, flies through it with his heat vision. And it's like, this is really out of character, but then it snaps back and it's like, oh, he's just he's just thinking about it. He's just imagining it. And I'm like, I, uh, I laughed really hard on that page when he's doing that mm -hmm. because you've got um, John going like, dad, dad, dad. And I was just hearing it as the... Uh, snake from the game over uh, on, on metal gear that, that those shambles that's how it read to me and i was i couldn't stop laughing as i was reading it and i have no problem with like superman like being angry enough that he has a thought like this he would never act on it but i have no problem with him having the thought and like sort of like working through it because that's just human it's human to have like an anger and have to like you know fantasize about the most extreme like callback or you know revenge you could have and then go no but this is why i won't do that <laughs> because i'm a yeah. human being and I'm, I'm i'm empathetical and i'm I'm level-headed and so on and so on. Um, so that's fine. But yeah, some of his dialogue with Red Cloud earlier on, who does clearly make the choice to go to a human prison because uh, we see her in one such prison uh, with a device on her, which is clearly uh, dampening her powers, which, by the way, might be the worst-looking page of the whole book to me. I think the art in that page is absolutely it's... horrendous. I think there are worse panels, but because that is a full page on its own, uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh... I don't understand, like... She has no shoulders for a start. All the lines in the 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 jumpsuit and on her face, like why is her face so liney? Shadows. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand. She's got like lines going across her face all the way up and down, like or across across the way, but they're all the way down her face. So 
I, I don't understand. I don't understand why this looks so bad. Uh, she, she gets a letter from Leon who's left her a letter saying, hey, we, we, we controlled the streets. We had one rule, don't fight Superman. You broke that rule. You let Lex Luthor get into your head. Um, and I just want you to know that if I find a version of you in whatever new earth I'm on, I'm going to ruin her as quickly as possible because you've pissed me off. Uh, is basically the sentiment. Um, so, uh, yeah, Brainy goes back to the future. John says, I'll see you there in a day. Although, it's time travel, so why does he have to be there a day later? Why why can't he just travel to the same day a day later? Because apparently he's... The the, the, the the timelines are in sync. It's, okay. uh, it, it, it's dark rules, Pete. Okay, alright, fine. Uh, but... There is an interesting moment. I, I feel like this is probably referencing Supergirl's time in the Legion here. Uh, her saying, I should put, you know, I want to come and visit someday. And Brainy tells her a secret. He's like, oh, hey, now you will come and visit. I know that's going to happen. And he tells her a secret about the future. Um, and it feels like a tease for, oh, okay, we'll get, we've got plans for Kara at some point in the next year or so. Uh, that's possible. I, part of me was just thinking it was a reference to when she, you know, was kind of like the main character in the Legion. I mean, it could you know. be just that, but it felt like, the, the, I don't know. To me, it felt like, no, it will still, we'll, they'll yeah. do something like that again. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, that's assuming that uh, Bendis is even on Legion, because, I mean, Young Justice has ended, he's leaving Superman in action soon, so we'll see if he's even on Legion, or if a Legion book even exists long enough for plans to actually happen. M- maybe he's going to do a Supergirl book, and he'll just be, mm. that'll just be an arc in the Supergirl book? I, I don't know. Uh, who knows? Uh, although Supergirl's face in the panel where Brainy's whispering to her is... Basically, nightmare Scary. fuel. Yeah, it's nightmare fuel. I don't. <laughs> I don't yeah, don't... I don't know. She, she looks like a wax figure. How how is the art? How I mean, I know I say this every time, but every time I go to read one of these issues, I am shocked all over again that this can be in a professional sold comic book. Do, do you know what I think is the worst part as well? Like it's it's like it's not like oh, there's one consistent problem that that he's bad at, like that, and that's why this looks bad. It's like no, no. no. There are like 12 different things that look terrible for all different reasons in this issue. Like, there's no consistency to the problems. Hmm. Uh, end of the issue is they come back to the day of the planet. They've got some news to share. Uh, it turns, and I assume this is related to, like, how he can afford this is related to his miniseries, but Jimmy is the new owner of the Daily Planet and is now Perry's boss as well as everyone else's. That's the cliffhanger. Yeah, he was pretty rich by the end of that. I mean, I mean, the Olsons were rich anyway. That was a whole big part of that. Uh, mm-hmm. But he had access. I think the ended with him having access to the, you know his part of the trust. He was he was the only one not broke. Uh, the siblings. That was why he was a. Uh, that, that's why he was targeted for murder anyway, so that his trust would pass to his brother. That was the whole point of the book, essentially. Yeah, there's a couple of funny beats building up to it where, like, someone says, "Is oh, is is Lex Luthor the owner of Daily Planet?" And you just hear Perry shout worse from his office. And that's pretty funny, you know, because especially because I, I almost like as soon as I heard that, I was like, okay, it's going to be something that's not actually that bad, but it's just funny that Perry thinks it's that bad. Uh, uh, so uh, it being uh, Jimmy was amusing. Honestly, it was like I, I was like, oh, is Lex Luthor not the boss, not the owner right now? Because <laughs> that seemed like something that might have happened recently. Nah, Leon was the boss, but now she's fled. Right. So that's where we are. Yeah, that's. <sighs> Story-wise, I have no problem. I'll on some dialogue from Clark that feels a bit vicious with the Red Cloud. I have no problem from a plot perspective, and that that's been kind of a running theme with these action comics issues for a while. <laughs> you could probably copy and paste your conclusion. Yeah, <laughs> to, to all of these. 
because you know i i you know i think one of the best things that the book's done in the last arc or so was the reveal that leon came from earth 3 like that reveal uh when me and matt like found that out was like oh that's really cool that's interesting that explains why she has this view of superman and why she acts differently why she has all these techniques it was a really interesting dynamic to add into the whole mix um and the story's played out just fine i think for the most part um but the art has severely hampered the enjoyment of it consistently throughout um i because every, every page i turn i am horrified at what i'm seeing all over again it is distracting and some people and i get why some people might say oh you're being too harsh like just okay this is how it looks just read the story and be over it. and normally i can normally if there's art that's just not that great it's just kind of whatever i can just kind of start ignoring it and just accept it and just read the story but this art is so distractingly bad that every page i turn to i'm like yeah i mean i, I i'm on the record a lot of, of i don't agree to that train of thought anyway of just oh just ignore the art and get, get over it i mean no the art is half of the story half of the experience at least uh, you know they're, they're as much a storyteller as the writer in a comic that's that's the whole I point don't, I, I don't dispute that but i do think it is possible if the art's only serviceable to kind of just then focus on what the story is and not let it sort of like okay you have the the sort of the oh it's kind of whatever but it's not distracting and takes away from the story unless yeah. it's actually properly distractingly bad. And that's what, I mean, I don't think there's a better example of distractingly bad than John Romita Jr. in his current state. Yeah, it, it, it just baffles me. Like, you know, reading some of his earlier stuff, and it's like, no, he, he was talented. Like, you know, it looked good. Like not even like good by Romita standards, like like good. It's like what happened? What what just happened? Where did it go? And 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 the fact that you know, it, does anyone defend this? I, I I don't know. Like, do people read this now and they go, oh, it looks good. Like, are people still fans of this, or is it just he's getting by on name cred and because it's action comics and people are going to buy action comics no matter what? Uh, probably the latter. I I don't imagine how many people could defend this. If there if there is anyone who likes Ramita Junior's current art, um, I I, I wouldn't even debate them on it. Like, I mean, first of all, art's super super subjective anyway. But I, I don't think I'd even want to have the conversation because I feel like it's nothing good's going to come of it. Because ultimately, I'm just going to have a hard time believing anything you say to me. <laughs> from honest, I'd, I'd be interested to know why. Because like. I think he still clearly understands the storytelling craft because I think his layouts are still fine. Oh sure, so he, yeah. He, yeah, he, sure he understands the storytelling and the craft of that. Like he hasn't lost that. Um, that knowledge is still there. I think he's, it. It just looks like he doesn't have control of the pencil like he used to. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Maybe it's just I don't know. He got, got old and lost some of that fine Ramita, motor R skills. Ramita Junior's art makes me think that I could make money as a comic book artist. And that's if if you're making me think that, then something's wrong. Because I can't draw for shit. <laughs> I'd be really interested to see if I could draw better or worse than this, as someone who hasn't picked up a pencil in over a decade. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just there's something to talk about. Even that last page, Superman's like the, the top right panel. There's just a lot of vertical lines in Superman's outfit, and he's just standing there. And there's no there motion. Is, is that? I think that's John sat next to him on the left. Yes, I think so. Looks like he's about forty. <laughs> he looks older than Superman in that panel. Yes, 
<laughs> I don't know what's going on there, but he just does. And Supergirl, I mean, I'm sure she's just floating and that's why she's taller, but she looks, but because of the way she's off panel and just poking her head in, it looks she's like she's leaning tall. in, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. It looks like she's super tall compared to Superman. It's weird. Um, yeah. It's awful. It's awful. I, I don't know. And also, just on the, on the final panel, like the very, very final panel with Jimmy Olsen, he's, you know, he's looking down, you know, Jimmy Olsen has a plan, he's, he's looking down, you know, wiping his nose and, you know, looking, you know, nothing. And then, he, you know, the, it does the little mini panel, like the close-up on his face as he looks up and he smiles. I feel like that's supposed to be a smirk. Like, like the moment tells me it's a smirk. But it's not a smirk face. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'm projecting, but... Knowing Jimmy, that feels like it should definitely be a smirk. Nah, that last little panel where he's smiling, it looks like the sort of uncle you want to keep your children away from. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. He looks like there should be a restraining order between him and a school. That's all I'm saying. Um, That's actually comics. What are you giving it? Um, well, last time I uh, I checked, the last time I, I read an action comics issue it was uh, thousand and twenty four. Mm-hmm. I gave that a two. Um, <laughs> but th- now I will say this issue was better than that one because that was the one with all of the really long, terrible dialogue from that random alien race. That no, even no, you no, imagined. no, 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 that was Superman twenty five. That wasn't was action. That okay, well, whatever the action one was, then uh, I had I had a lot more. I remember having more problems with it. I mean, clearly. Um. That was the one where the character died. They killed someone, and and I think you and Matt were both like, "Wait, they they actually killed them." Mm-hmm. That was that was that issue. Um, I think this was better than that, so I'll give it a three point five. Yeah, I mean, I I like the story well enough, uh, for the most part. Um, I, I I feel like every time I say that, it sounds like I'm not super enthusiastic about it, but I don't think it's because the story isn't like good i think the problem is is that the art is like detracting so much from the story that it kind of leaves me with this like i think i like the story but it's hard to actually be sure because the art's ruining it so much so it's not it's not that i'm just unconfident like i if i sound unconfident when i say that it's because i kind of am because the art it's is like making if, it so much if you if you remove the context and just work through the core beats in your head do you like those beats? And it's it's the, the execution that's failed, essentially. Yeah, but uh, and the execution in the art side as well. But it's, it's hard to kind of separate that sometimes. Uh, mm. But... Yeah. What one would I usually give this? Like a five? <laughs> like a four or five? I don't know. I, I don't think I'd pay attention. I, yeah, I'll go... I'll go the 4.5. 4.5, which is the third book this week that's been the fours for me. Uh, uh, it's not a good week, is it? It's not a, yeah. Yes, it's been a, it's been a very up and down week. Uh, Justice League Dark, issue 28, Ram V writing with uh, Amanke Nihil Pin on the art. Take it away, Connor. Yeah, so this is the final issue of this part of the run. This is the the last of the Upside Down Men. Uh, you know, all, all, all that stuff is, is wrapped up here. Uh, it does conclude. Uh, in a mostly quite satisfying way. Uh, it's, it's pretty solid. Um, we open with, uh, well, we kind of where we left off last time, uh, Zatanna and uh, the Upside Down Man are sharing a body because of the, the magic thing she did. And they're basically inside 
they're in like a mind space that they're both sharing because they're they're sharing the same body, the same mind right now. So they have like this internal battle, like this this uh, uh you know, a bit of a dialogue, and then they have uh, like a, a, a battle of the wills, you know, as as we kind of called it in, in Wonder Woman, and um, the upside down man tries to absorb. Zatanna is like I'm going to steal all your memories and make it so that you're nothing. You're not. You're not even going to be an, an afterthought in my mind. You're just going to be an echo. Um, and you know, we we see a lot. You know, these some of these beats from Zatanna. You know, this this gorgeous like he, his jaw opens up really wide, and you have like, all these memories being sucked out of Zatanna's mouth. And you know, we are you know, all these moments. Um, really gorgeous layout stuff. Um, looks great. And that, you know, that's the first couple of pages is all that stuff in the mind. And then we cut back to, uh, I won't say the real world, but the, the other dimension that they're in, uh, where they're fighting the Upside Down Man. And he seemingly wins the fight. Because, um, you know, we, we see him transform Zatanna's skin, gets shed away, and he becomes just the Upside Down Man again. Except, uh, you know, and then starts fighting uh, the others and, and Diana's like, no, 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 you you haven't won yet. Uh, don't you? Haven't you realized you you're standing the right way up? Uh, she's still in there. You know, there's still a part of her making that that decision. Uh, so it, again, this is where it cuts back into his head, and it, it's Zatanna be like, no, 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 I can, I can do this. Uh, you know, I've got to just focus on one memory, one clear, real memory, and kind of make that a thing, and kind of bring that memory to life. And it, it comes back to. Uh, a beat that was earlier in the book, the the first trick that that her dad taught her was the uh, the the rabbit in the hat, where it's you know it's a dead rabbit, and he puts it in, and you know, and out comes a a real rabbit, you know, an alive rabbit. Um, but ultimately, it is actually just a trick, and you know, there's still just a a, a dead rabbit in the dark somewhere. Uh, and you know, and that memory of her, for the first time, bringing an actual rabbit back to life, you know, with with real magic, not stage magic. And her father being like, no, 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 there's always a cost, and I'll take that, you know, and he takes that cost. And that was that was a big part of the, the run earlier. And and that's it. This is this is where she wins. This core belief permeates so much that it it, it kind of infects the upside down man so much to the point where you no know, magic has a cost. And because magic has a cost, his power is is, is false. So he kind of loses and he you know the body almost explodes it's like a shedding of the skin with an explosion sort of effect uh and it's satana kind of underneath uh, you know and shedding the upside down man's skin uh, and it's brilliant and you know there's just a little part of him still in there uh but Zat uh, but diana like locks him away with hecate's magic uh, and that's most of that stuff you know we're kind of then transitioning into the epilogue uh, of this part of the run where it's uh, Bobo is back in the Oblivion bar he's got it all running up again and he's serving Khalid a, a, a drink because um, Khalid's kind of forgotten a lot of the story he took a big hit to the head and a lot of this is kind of fuzzy for him uh, so he remembers parts so, but you know the, the rest of this is Bobo kind of just filling him in on the story uh, acknowledges that Kent is, is gone he is fate now but something's wrong for whatever reason uh, Naboo's not talking to him so it's just a it's just an ornamental helmet right now, but you know, Bobo's like, hey, you know, me and you both know that that seems great. It seems like you've got to rest right now, but that's that's not the reality of it. You're gonna have to be ready. Um, so you know, get you better get this sorted soon. Uh, and that's kind of his epilogue. Um, you have a little bit of Bobo again telling the story of what happened. 
um, this world that, that they created, uh, with, with it, where Swamp Thing, you know, they infused all the Swamp Thing's being and life force into it, and, you know, to bring it life, and, you know, to give it stability and rules, um, has, you know, reforged the Nightmaster's sword, and they decide to call the place New Mirror, uh, so that's back now, um, Mambat's really struggling with what he's done because he feels guilty because he's the one who created this kind of you know, virus essentially that, that made Swamp Thing do what he did and uh, you know he's the one who had to inject Swamp Thing with it and again not that Swamp Thing wasn't willing that he, he made that sacrifice but he's still feeling guilty about having done it but he finds some evidence that you know, there is still a consciousness buried deep within the green there waiting to be reformed and then the, the big one that, that comes last is uh, Zatanna is is there crying over Constantine's dead body? Uh, he is dead at this point. Um, then you know her father is, is there, freed from this this torment of what had gone on with the upside down man at last. And they have yeah you know, one final moment, and he does what he did with the rabbit, is you know you know take this cost and you know let it be born onto me. And and that's it. And he leaves and and dies good for good this time. Uh, and so Constantine can come back. And just, you know, there's a wonderful panel of her just, you know, crying into his chest and him just, you know, it's a completely silent panel, but just that moment of after, after her father has finally died. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great moment. Uh, you can just, you know, the, the final epilogue part of that is after Bobo's story, you know, this is while he's just telling Khalid about, you know, hey, you should probably get on with fixing that. Uh, it's just Diana and Zatanna having a little meeting on a rooftop you know, she's clear of Hecate's mark, but hey, you know, the world will always need, need heroes, so we'll be there when it's ready. And, you know, the, the final page is, you know, a man walking out of the shadows with a cane, with a, a chain on that. I don't recognize off the top of my head. I don't know if this is a thing or not. Uh, it might be. Um, or it is possible that maybe I was wrong when I, I said in another book earlier that, that this might actually be tied to Endless Winter. I don't know. Um, but this man looks like an elderly man walking with a cane, all in black, big like feather cloak almost uh, around his neck, and this pendant silver with a couple of symbols on it, a couple of hammers, daggers, such like that. And then he just explodes into ravens or, or crows, perhaps. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, that's that's the final bit, you know. Uh, just you know, this this shadowy figure exploding into these these dark birds, and then you know continues in endless winter. Which I'm very excited for, uh, you know, as we'll get to next week. I'm sure where that starts. Uh, but honestly, this book it does everything it kind of needs to do to wrap up this story at last. Uh, none of it is out, you know, a surprise. There's no, there's no big shocking beats in this issue. There's nothing that you know catches you off guard. It, it is very much wrapping up the conclusion. Here's, here's what we need to do, which makes it a little bit less exciting than some of the other issues uh, for sure. But it also leaves me very excited for what we've got coming up uh, in the next stage of the run where Ram V can really... Okay, he, from for the first time now, he gets to start and do his own thing from scratch. Maybe he, he might be reforging the team because they are all off doing their own thing right now. So he might have a completely new lineup when we come back in March. I don't know yet. Uh, it seems likely. Uh, but it's really exciting that you know Ram V gets to start from scratch now and do what he wants instead of tying up Tynan's run, which again he's done a great job with. Um, it's a task that no one really wants to do in comics. No one wants to come in and finish off someone else's story. Uh, I'm sure they want to tell their own. 
Um, but judging what he's been doing in the first few issues of Catwoman with his own material from scratch, I'm very excited to see what he does uh, in, the, in the next stage of this book. Uh, this is a solid 8 still. Um, actually, I'll give it an 8.5 because there are some really nice artistic touches, some great layouts, um, some gorgeous, just gorgeous colouring as well, uh, especially the stuff in the, in the other world uh, really stands out. So yeah, 8.5. All right. Batman Superman issue 14, Joshua Williamson writing with the Max Rayner on the art, wrapping up this uh, Brainiacs infected their security system. Uh, the issue opens with like a flashback to when Batman's suggesting they, they create this predictive system. And Superman points out that every time this has happened, that it's ended up going bad and tries to fight them. And Batman's like, no, it'll be different this time for this reason. Uh, so it all has this air of like kind of like meta comedy to it that uh, this has happened again. <laughs> yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't make the arc that much more enjoyable though. It, it does like a little bit too 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 little too late of this I, awareness. I appreciated it on its own as a scene, um, yeah. rather than necessarily elevating anything that was happening. The actual action of the scene is it was fine. Like I I, I hate to not like have another book to like praise and be super positive on i don't have like super negative thoughts on this either you've got the uh the composite the batman superman robot that's on earth on metropolis superman flies down to try and take that on uh, i did get a little giggle out of the the little girl yelling superman kick his ass uh as she's yeah. been carted off by her parents um and you know meanwhile batwoman's fighting a bunch of robots while stealing batman or hacking in and trying to go into the VR version of Gotham that this computer uses to, to run things. And Batman and Superman basically both ask it questions on either, you know, side, you know, one on Earth, one on the moon, and essentially, you know, distract it just long enough for uh, Steel to do his hacking. Download its consciousness yeah. away from the body that it is on Earth into the Joker head somehow. I, I don't really know. Yeah, the Joker robot head. Yeah, it was all a bit much in terms of, like, try to follow exactly what the plan was. Um, I mean, Batwoman looks strong, you know, because they, they looked over and there's just a pile of robots and she's she, like... She's of her yeah. bodies. Uh, I, I kind of like the joke of that, of like... She's sort of like, it's like, oh, you two are going to play video games, but I have to do all the fighting uh, figures. And then like, we just don't see her again, and then when we see her again at the end, she's on a mountain of, like, robot bodies that she's taken out herself. Like, it's, you know, it's a fun little, like, hey... She's a badass, and <laughs> yeah, I kind of wish that every so often she was in the background of one of the panels with mm. like Steel and Batman talking. Just, just in the background, she was off fighting a robot, but it was always just smoke, dirt, you know. Yeah, uh, Superman has to come back and save them because the entire moon base is starting to break apart. It's like, well, you know, we're either going to, you know, die of exposure or whatever. Like we're we're, we're doomed, and Superman. So we're going to suffocate or freeze. Um, I or, do or be crushed by the main. I do like that they put the data onto an old computer, like an old like eighties looking computer. Uh, I I almost feel like there's potential here to do like a war game style thing with this computer later. Uh, the only problem I have is that seemingly is how it starts because it's on that it's on a little screen and it's mm -hmm. you know in the, with the green text activate y slash n. I'm like, well, it got off one of these in the first place. <laughs> This one's not connected to anything, though. I think what Batman points out, it's... Uh, okay, fair enough. This is not connected to the internet, so they can get away with it. Uh, and there's a bit of, you know, there's a joke at the end uh, where Batman's like, okay, well, now we can start like, fixing the Batcave. We just have to clear this debris, the plane wreckage. 
And he still says, sorry, uh, you know, got to tell my niece to crash her spaceship. Superman's like, oh, I hear something in Metropolis. And then Batman's just like, nope. <laughs> like, they all two have excuses, and she's just like, no. Not happening. It gave me a, yeah. a minor chuckle. I, I mean, it's a solid I, 6 out of 10. It's fine. That's pretty much where I'm going to land as well. Um, I, I like the acknowledgement that they didn't just happen to, you know, it wasn't just Steel and Baton randomly intercepting the signals. I know they sent mm. it to them in particular because they thought they would be reasonably good successors to their roles, essentially. Mm. Yes. Um, I thought that was a nice acknowledgement. Yes, we're getting Solomon Grundy next time, apparently. So... Uh, hopefully that'll be fun. You know, I, I've been liking this book. Uh, this was maybe more of a down arc than a big arc, but they, they tend to only be three issues long, give or take. So, yeah, uh, this book, like the first arc with the Secret Six stuff, was yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm not counting that. Yeah, we'll talk yeah, about that before. Yeah, but since since it's became what the book actually is, where it's just these small little random stories, uh, they've all been really fun. This is the first one where I felt disappointed by it. Like not, and again, not that it's bad. But disappointed just in in what this book has set up as its expectations as to what its what its base level is of these stories. This was definitely the my least favorite by quite a distance. Um, so I'm hoping we're back up on the next one. Yeah, it's just it's just another typical superhero story with tropes that doesn't amount to much. It's not going to be remembered, and that's that's okay. It's fine. Whatever, we can yeah. move on. Uh, so yeah, that's basically it. Obviously, that's a very quick discussion on it, but. There's not really a whole lot to say. I I don't have a whole lot to go into. So, uh, that is Batman Superman, which takes us on to the Patreon books that we've got this month. So, Car can start off. So, I, mean, I mentioned this earlier, but you know, every month on Patreon.com/slash/MailFestTV that uh, some of our, our higher tiers get to make myself or Connor read a book. So, Connor is going to be reading, or well, he's already read, but he's going to be discussing Undiscovered Country issue ten. So, take it away. Yeah, written by uh, Scott Snyder and Charles Soule, still uh, art by uh, Giuseppe Camoncoli, and Leonardo Marcello Grassi has been helping out on this arc. Uh, although I will say, because there's a, a letter in the back, uh, as I'm sure there often is in these issues, because that, that tends to be a common thing in the back matter of, of image uh, books, but uh, Soule had the letter on this issue. I was talking about the plotting of the next arc, and and definitely referred to it as his Snyder's and uh, Kevin Coley's book, like it's their baby. So I, I, I think Grassy. I don't know if he's going to be sticking around on the next arc, or uh, if he's just helping out on this. But uh, definitely, so doesn't seem to be involved on the conceptual level in the same way, uh, at least. Star uh, worth worth noting. Uh, the book does open with like a bit of a flashback. Uh, Seventeen years ago, it's uh, the woman from Unity, kind of basically trying to convince the president that. The, that Unity needs more resources, and you've got uh, you've got Sam Elgin, who's like the the main advisor to the president, um, kind of being like, no, 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 this, this isn't how Aurora works. The whole point of Aurora, and you should know this, you know, you were in you were in it from the beginning, is you all get equal equal rights, equal, equal property, equal resources. You do your thing with what you can, and we'll bring it together at the end. And she's like, yeah, yeah, but look, I'm so close. I just need a bit more. And you know all the other states are like, well, no, that sounds terrible. They, you know, this your, you know this is your dream. That's not ours. It's not fair for you to be taking away our resources. And Elgin basically agrees with them. He's like, you got to make do with what you got. Shut it down. Uh, you know, you got. Uh, and, but but does kind of relent and go like, you got one year to try before you have to shut it down. But try and do it within these means. Stop you know going over. And and this is pretty relevant for later, you know, towards the end of the issue. Um, 
But then we actually cut back to present day uh, Unity. We're with uh, Ace and uh, Valentina. They're off in their little boat doing an exploratory mission. That's where, we, where they left last time. They're, they're off to find the source of this uh, big energy reading that happened however many years ago. That It was, it was one of the only uh, energy events that was large enough to be detected by the outside world. And he's like, hey, it's pretty close to here, so I feel like we should. And and they get to this huge dead body in the ocean. And I'm, from later inferences, I think it's supposed to be a whale. Um, but the part of it we see, it looks like a T-Rex head. Like that's that's what visually it looks like. But I, it, it tells me after it's supposed to be a whale. So I, I'm going with it. It's a whale. Uh, but there's a huge bite missing out of it. And and when I say it's a whale, it's, it's enormous. Like... They're in like a a van sized vehicle, and it barely even covers like the first two teeth of its mouth. Like if it was if it was going to be put in the mouth, it would barely cover like the, f- the first bit of the jaw. It's nothing. And you know, as soon as they're like, "Well, what took a bite out of it?" Uh, lo and behold, a big massive shark appears. Um, a, a few of them, in fact, and instead of being the white things that all the un- all, all the unity constructs are this this white material that nanotech stuff uh these sharks are black and uh, you know they're like oh do they remind you of what we saw back in destiny and you know um it feels like a bit of an easy leap for them to get there personally um but obviously uh, as readers we know this is because destiny infected uh, the unity stuff at the end of the last issue um so they're kind of running away they're carrying on towards their mission and uh they get to a recreation of the white house just in the middle of the the middle of the ocean here uh and they're like you know but it's it's walled off now how do we get past the wall and then the shark takes a bite out of the wall pretty conveniently so in they go and there's a there's a hologram of elgin inside and it's like hey you know fancy you being here you know jane the the uni woman must be really distracted or you wouldn't have made it uh you you know you're absolutely the right people for this job you know Aurora did a great a great job picking you guys. Uh, there there are some answers in there, but be careful. I haven't really got any control here, uh, so just uh, g- good luck. You know, and it ends it by saying, "Oh, this land is her land instead of our land." And uh, before the before I get to the the beats with them, because that is the conclusion, I'm going to rewind and do the other half of the issue, which is uh, destiny and some you know other black creature beings are attacking unity city you've got them trying to defend it uh unity woman jane is basically takes control like she can shut down like you know override all of the constructs all the people everything she she can kind of like become an autocrat dictator um uh, very much a dictator in the in the roman sense uh i can't remember what the, the word they uh, i don't know if it was dictator they used then but in the idea of okay in times of great crisis we can't have a a council. We can't have you know various leaders, uh, pre-senate, uh, whatever, but you know we need we need a, a you know one person to lead us through this, and she becomes that, and you know and wins and, and it it works. She fights through the army um, because she has this complete control and there is no opposing views. There's no dissension. It is uh, as she puts it, one America, indivisible. Uh, and the art's great for all this stuff. Actually, it's it's a blast. Um, uh, one nation indivisible, sorry, is, is, is what she uses. Um, but the rest of the group are mostly quite horrified by this uh, because 
you know, the, you're just taking control of all these people. Like, you know, they didn't have a choice in any of this. Um, but Chang is, has maybe been a little bit infected by it because he gets affected as well at some point. But um, makes a point of saying that he actually kind of agrees with what she's done here, and you know, makes a point of saying, you know, this is his own free will. It's not because he's infected, but he understands it. You know, the idea of the the you know the the two sides that they have now it's not about winning it's not about bettering it's not about doing the right thing it's about beating the other side it's about the other side losing is is the measure of victory and doing it this way gets rid of that uh you know there the, there is one one cohesive goal for them to walk, work towards and you know and that's kind of the beat it leaves it on for there where it's like you know i, I think it's you know he, the foul line if here from him is i think it's beautiful you know uh, that that concept and that's where it does cut back now uh, to the to the other two who are off in the, the in the not White House in the middle of the ocean, and there's all the, they're walking to this room, and this is presumably what's powering Unity. This is what has created this technology and allows it to work, and it's just a wall full of brains, hundreds of them hooked up. And they're like question. They're like they're really small brains. So they they animal brains. They're like no. And then you know we hear a voice. It's like no animal brains aren't sophisticated enough. They're humans, and they're small because they're young, uh, because the young brains would you know uh, do you know conduct what we needed better because you know f fewer pathways set through lived experiences. You know not enough. We don't have to override data. We can you work with them. They're more malleable from the start. And we see what I think might be uh, the real version of Jane. It's hard to say uh, for now because she looks almost skeletal, like ancient, uh, long flow hair. She's in like a, a coffin-style cocoon with lots of wires coming out of it that act like legs. Think like giant spider legs almost. It's a, it's, it's a hell of an image. Um, yeah, and you know that that's but you know that that's how this is how unity's worked. You know. It's at a, at a price of hundreds of these young lives have been just, you know, these brains that are farmed and used uh, to feed what they were. And, and you know, and the, the, this contrasts really nicely with, you know, Chang on the previous you know, couple of pages being like, no, I get it. I understand this this mentality. Um, and, you know, and that was just at the cost of, okay, putting someone in charge that can overwrite and take away the choice. But now we're seeing the, the reality of it here is, you know, this is the cost of it. And it's... Uh, Pretty horrifying stuff. Um, really interested to see what they do with it next. Uh, I do think this was a slightly less appealing arm, uh, issue than some of the other ones that we've had recently. Um, I think it's just uh, it's it's a lot of action, uh, and the reveals are really interesting, but it doesn't have time to uh, explore them yet and and play with the ideas, which has been what this uh, this book has been best at has been exploring these these um these ideals these american ideals and twisting them in, in unique ways and this issue sets up what it's going to be twisting and playing with next but doesn't actually get to do much of it yet it's a little bit uh underwhelming i guess i'd say in that sense but all the action the art that is there is pretty great uh so i'm still going to give it a 7.5 i think uh still a very good issue all right cool um That'll take me on to Animal Man issue three, which is uh, my Patreon book that I'm doing today. Um, obviously Grant Morrison, um, who I have got some problems with uh, this issue. I, I they pull him up for uh, 
let's just say there, there's a cat in this issue who is fed to some rabid dogs and I'm not happy about it. I was uh, disturbed and this will not stand. Grant Morrison, how dare you? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the point. Uh, <laughs> how dare you, Grant? Uh, frankly, all cats should be done that. You shut your filthy ginger mouth, you little weasel. Um, that would be a better place. <laughs> so... Yeah, um, where to begin with this? So, last issue, if you remember, Buddy got his arm ripped off. Uh, that, that, was, that was how we ended that issue. Uh, one of a couple of different extreme cliffhangers we had. Uh, and in some cases, the other one actually goes more extreme than it ended with. But uh, the Buddy arm one, I don't know if we actually came up with this solution, uh, but he actually takes power from earthworms that he, he senses underground. Uh, I, think, I think I did mention, yeah. I think I mentioned lizards or something. Yeah, and well, he uh, sure. regrows his arm, uh, which is a delightfully weird page, uh, a couple of pages even, where there's, cause there's, there's like a panel where his fingers aren't all there yet, they're just little stubs, and then they sort of come in, and then he's like, holy shit, I just grew an arm back. This, this is weird. And the rat monster is turned back into the, the homeless person that it was. So... He's like, okay, this is weird. I need to go back to Star Labs, find out what's going on. This is downright surreal. But there's all, what this issue really does in terms of the main plot is that it really gives us the idea of who the beast is and some of his backstory. And we get to see him properly. I can't say that visually he's what I was expecting. Um, So, he's known in the world as the white god of Kilimanjaro. And... Uh, although obviously we refer to him as a beast, he wears what's essentially a Mexican wrestling mask and has like a red and white loincloth with like red and yellow boots and otherwise is naked. <laughs> like, it's not what I was expecting. Yeah, this is uh, the Boana beast, right? Yeah. So, um, I was not expecting this, uh, I have to say. Uh, not being super familiar with uh, this character, you know, prior to this run. Um, so visually a bit odd, given that I, mm-hmm. I, I, I wasn't, I don't know what I was expecting, but, you know, it'd been, you know, so secretive up until this point, and so, like, oh, in the shadows, you know, who's this beast? He's coming. Um, and we get some of the, the backstory of, like, his friend being shot, um, by militants, and even, like, and the reason why he's in, uh, in California is because Star Labs has, uh, this, uh, this ape that he's friends with, essentially. I mean, maybe that's, making it a bit too simplistic but they have them at star labs and this ape is uh been tested on has a strain of anthrax that they're using they're trying to, they're, they're developing this really nasty thing actually where they're they're trying to create a, a version that will attack livestock to like you know go after like enemies livestock but will not be dangerous to humans so that their own forces can go in um at the same time uh they've not gotten to that point though so when the beast grabs the ape and runs off by the end of the issue into the city and goes to the zoo, as we find out. It's like, oh, California might actually be uninhabitable in a couple of weeks' time if this is not contained quick enough, uh, because this is how severe this is. So uh, we're dealing with a, a possible pandemic, which of course feels very topical right now. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the uh, the goals here. Um but yeah, so yeah, the, the doctor actually admits a lot of this to Buddy. He admits that, yeah, they, they, they stole this uh, this ape that has a special kind of, you know, the, the, the scientists were referring to him as the missing link for a while. I, I think I said he, I think it's actually a she. But, 
basically doing this horrible testing. And the first time we see this April in the issue, she does have like boils, she has like stuff all over her body. It looks quite nasty. It does not look pleasant. Um, it, it does feel kind of vicious and it, in a way where while obviously you're on Buddy's side about protecting the city and protecting everyone, you don't necessarily empathize with the scientists here. You, you do feel like, hey, the beast has got a bit of claim here to be upset. You, you know, not create rat monsters and start ripping off people's arms upset, but you, you get the, the conflict, you get what's going on. Um, and, and Buddy's not happy about it either. Buddy really, because uh, Dr. Myers, his name is, um, you, you know, he yells at him, he gives him what for. Um, and, you know, Beast is like holding the ape at the, uh, you know, Ajuba is the, the ape's name, uh, holding the ape at the zoo, and the ape's crying, Beast is crying, and, <laughs> you know, ultimately we just see like all the other apes at the, the zoo crying, and it ends with this angry page of, of Beast just like, like standing up and yelling out, ah, do you know what it is? It's, it's that moment in uh, Superman the movie where Lois, and this is reversed, spoilers for the movie by the way, but Lois technically dies and Superman just sort of looks up and yells. Uh, it's basically that. Um, and it's like, oh wait, he was dangerous before. Like, what's he going to do now? Like, just last issue, he fused a rat into a person's face and turned them into a rat monster. Like, what's he going to do now? Uh, and does he have uh, the anthrax strain? You know, is he going to be spreading that around as he goes? Uh, really, and the ape's red, by the way. It's just worth mentioning. It's a red ape, which is you know unique. Uh, typically, if you're not familiar with with apes, they typically come in a red. Orangutans are fairly reddish. Isn't it an orangutan though? This is. I mean, I don't know if it's meant to be a specific ape per se, but it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I haven't read this issue in years. Um, but. So that's kind of where the main story is going. Um, interesting stuff. It's probably my least favorite of the main story threads thus far, just because it is kind of the more here's like explanations, here's where he comes from. I do like the adding the moral sort of like side to it, where oh wait no, like we you know the the people in San Diego are kind of at fault for this, or the people of Star Lab specifically are at fault for this. Uh, they have done something to wrong him. And wrong the the I'm natural balance of things. Pretty sure that's a recurring theme through Morrison's room. I suspect it will be, especially given that Buddy, you know, can feel what the animals are feeling. You know, given that, I think a lot of uh, him. Yeah, and I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure uh, Grant Morrison's a, a vegan as well. Like, you know, and you know, you know oh, he's done a lot of campaigning against like uh, animal testing, for example. Um, so this is all very personal for him. Yeah, it does not surprise me if that's the case, uh, but. Uh, so the other plot, though, from last issue, which you may remember, because I, I did not see it going that way, where uh, Ellen ended up in the woods with these, like, guys with guns who, it started to feel very rapey, right? Like, the, that's what the, the threat was as, as we cut mm-hmm. away in the last issue. Uh, so they're the ones who, like, throw a cat to, because there was kittens that were found before, they throw a kitten to some rabid dogs. Why was the, I mean, obviously it was implied where it was going with this, and Maxine uh, runs back and gets the neighbor because I remember I, I mentioned last issue that the neighbor was sort of like you know outside sort of sort of like sunbathing uh, or relaxing, and that's who ultimately comes to save her. He comes in with his gun and kind of scares the others off. Um, there's a bit more to it that I'll get to in a second, but um, but you know obviously this is cutting between this and the main story, and it comes back to this story at one point, and it legitimately like has a panel 
of the main dude, the main sort of bad guy here with a gun, unbuckling his belt. Like, it's, it's being very... You know, it's just not hiding it. It's, it's not trying to dance around what he's trying to do. Uh, everything he's saying is very... You know, he's implying things. He's saying, oh, you're all the same. You always have a headache. Or you want to watch TV. No, 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 no. Um, he's very... And it's actually the entire time as this is going on, the guy that's with him keeps saying, this is going too far. Stop this. He's constantly trying to talk him out of whatever he's doing. He says it about the cat. He says it when he's walking towards her. Um, and then he tries to aim his gun at the neighbor when the neighbor's there to try and defend her. And it's actually his friend who shoots the, the main bad guy and, uh, and puts him down. So, um, you know, and everyone's crying. It's this really dark scene uh, where she starts, like, hitting the, the dead body with, like, she grabs, like, a stick, like, a, you know, a tree branch and just starts hitting it and crying and, you know, damn you, you bastard, because she's been through this traumatic or- ordeal. And the neighbor's just kind of like, hey, you don't want to see Maxine, you don't, you don't want Maxine to see like this, right? Um, and she sort of, like, calms down, she's still got tears in her eyes. And the whole thing is just very, like, like, I did not expect this run to go to this dark place uh, this quickly. Very, very out of nowhere. And the entire time, Buddies doesn't even know anything's at fault. He doesn't know anything's going on. He's too wrapped up in the actual, you know, superhero plot of things. Which does have its dark elements as well, of course. Uh, like I say, they, they, all the stuff with the ape was immediately very kind of troubling and like, this, this is kind of disgusting and feels very uh, barbaric what they're doing to it. But I just, I don't know. It, it's, it's hitting some really harsh beats like immediately. Uh, in a way that I wasn't expecting. So as much as I'm saying some of this issue is a bit more generic in the sense that, hey, we're having to explain the backstory of the villain, um, who, by the way, is flying around. I'm sure there's a, there's a mythical name for this, but it's a lion with wings. It's <laughs> um, a griffin. Griffin, there you go. I think. That I'm sounds right. Griffin. That sounds right. I've heard griffin before. I just... I do not I don't feel confident to actually remember what, what this was called. No. But, yeah. Uh, so he's got he's got that back in uh, Kilimanjaro. But, uh, obviously, the storytelling is pretty flawless, uh, for the most part. Because um, the, the opening where we see this ape, because the ape as well is, like, watching from its cage the uh, dead, like, chimps or, you know, whatever else they've got being carted out in, like, a trolley. Like, they've just put, like, the dead chimp in a trolley and they're, like, carting it out. And this ape is looking through the bars and crying. So, the art is very good but it's a nice contrast though because it's it's flipping between like because because the apes red and then the other panels in this page which is it's a nine panel grid the 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 beast is all in blue now obviously he's not typically blue it's just lit that way if you will um but the narration says the beast the beast is coming the beast who walks but it's saying this over the crying face of this ape who's who's clearly sick who's clearly got these boils and is crying as it watches these other you know, chimps and whoever have been taken away in, in a cart because they're dead. They've been experimented on to death. Um, it is a, it's a contrast. There's a contrast. And it kind of, like, immediately sets up this tone that the beast is coming, but the beast's, like, goal or motivation isn't actually, like, villainous. That there's something here, like, it's vengeful, and the venge- vengeance makes sense, but it immediately sort of tries to challenge how you're, like, perceiving the, the villain, if you will. And again, if you want to use the word villain, maybe it's a bit too murky at this point to actually outright say that. But, um, but yeah, I will say the 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 look of Blana Beast, uh, eh, <laughs> not 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 my favorite. <laughs> I'll say just how he looks. Uh, what I you will do about it. 
I will say, I do love that for the rest of the issue, Buddy's jacket's like missing a sleeve. Because obviously when his arm got ripped off, the sleeve went with it. And then he grew the arm back, but he's, the sleeve's not there, so he's just walking around with one sleeve. Mm. It's, it's one of those, those consistency things that I, I, uh, I appreciate. Should have ripped the other one off to match. Ah, but then he'd be a douchebag with his sleeves ripped off. Not in the 80s, he wouldn't. <laughs> nah, nah. I, I think that was a douchebag thing in the eighties. I, I think if I if I was of of a reasonable age in the eighties, I think I would I would have thought people who ripped their sleeves off were douchebags. That's my assumption, anyway. I think that's what I would think. I think uh, you may be right, <laughs> but I think it's inherently a less douchebaggy thing to do it then because everyone was doing. If you do it now, it's way worse. Well, now it's like retro and like it's retro douchey. It's retro, and it's like okay, you're 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 doing something with nostalgia there. Uh, the the equivalent today is what someone who hmm, I don't know. We we don't pay attention to the current fashion trends enough. Clearly, I was going to go with the fashion thing, but so, so, I don't know. Someone who like I don't know TikToks. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you compare it to. Um, yeah. The 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 kids today with the the talks and their ticks and their. All, all that newfangled nonsense. And their Insta-tumblers and whatnot. Um, I've, I've actually had an Instagram account and even looked at Tumblr on the occasion. I don't really understand Tumblr, I have to admit. I don't understand the I, purpose of Tumblr. But... Yeah, I, I technically have an Instagram account just because it's Facebook, basically, so it's all linked. Uh, I've, I've never used it. I've never posted anything. I've never looked at it on it. I think I've liked it. I got one thing for like a competition on it or something. Um, Tumblr, I've used to get gifts I, i've i've googled for a specific gif and it's given me a, a, a thing and oh it's on tumblr that's about it hmm. um but you know it's worth mentioning there's some correlation between the two plots here of the the viciousness um but, but you know, basically the cruelty of man which is a really broad theme admittedly <laughs> so you can sort of like almost take anything with a villain in it and sort of you know apply the cruelty of man to it but um, i do think there's some correlation between the two plots um and you know the, the animalistic I, I hate to use that word and and this <laughs> given what we're talking about but it's a bit easy yeah but uh, the point being is that when we talk about someone being an animal we're not really comparing them to an animal per se we use being an animal to mean acting without thought or reason. conscience or reason yeah just just acting on instinct um for your own gain so um i, I think those elements are there it does play with coloring very well um and I think all the emotional beats are handled very well. The, the best scene in it is probably uh, when the uh, the potential rapist is shot by his friend, who basically is not willing to let this happen, uh, or anyone else to get hurt. So, yeah. But no, uh, issue three goes to a dark place, and definitely leaves me wondering like what issue four is going to have with, uh, with the beast being unhinged and possibly just out for blood at this point, because now, now his friend is, is gone. So... Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll probably give that... I'll probably give it the 8 still. Uh, well, I think the main story's down a little bit. I think the other stuff and the way it handles some of the darker bits, again, sort of counterbalance and get me back to an 8. So mm. uh, that's where I'll, I'll leave off in that. But that'll take us to the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art, and top five books. And what a weird top five it's going to be this week. But uh, we'll start off with panel slash moment. What you got? Uh, it's definitely from Justice League Dark. There's two moments I could pick. Okay. Um, 
I think I'm gonna go with Zatanna shedding the skin, the upside down man, the the the, the explosive pop, the skin kind of being there, the colors. It's it's all fantastic. Yeah, um, I don't have like a super obvious thing to go with this week. Um, I, I think pr- probably be from Wonder Woman. It's probably going to be the. Um, it feels a bit cheap to say something that essentially lasted like ten pages, but it, you know it's probably one of the moments from the the battle of wits, the battle of the mind power as she's trying to like fight it. Um, but maybe specifically the sword being heavy moment. I, I think it was really fun and inventive because uh, it wasn't just stop doing this thing. It, it, it started to try and make other things like elements of what she was doing, like and use them specifically. I think I yeah. appreciate that more than just stop what you're doing. So. Uh, I'll go with that. But admittedly, I, I do think like a good half or so of my books this week were just bad. <laughs> so... I'm looking at the scores. I've I've only have two books. Not counting the Patreon book at the end there. I only have two books that are a seven or above. Uh, what's your cover? Uh, my cover. Um, I was looking at these. So just give me a second. Uh, it comes down to. I think it's it's there's there's like a few nice ones actually. Um. There's a surprisingly nice uh, variant on uh, action comics. That's because it's so Gary Frank. It. And then, yeah, then I was like, oh, what, who's this? And that's all Gary Frank. I was like, that's quite nice. Um, there's the the standard uh, for me now, the, the Middleton variant um, for Wonder Woman, uh, which I'll probably go with, let's be honest. I'm, I'm sort of that. But I, I do want to acknowledge, I did, I did like the, the Hitch variant on uh, Batman Superman. I like the variant on Suicide Squad as well. Uh, Jeremy um, Roberts, the, the Harley one. The Suicide Squad variant is good. I, I think I prefer the, the main cover, though, for Suicide Squad, which is probably one of the ones I was thinking. I'm probably going to go with the action variant, though, uh, despite everything else with that book. A variant from Gary Frank on a Superman book with the whole Super family is quite nice, so uh, hard to really be upset at I, that. I, I think the reason I didn't choose that and chose the one-on-one one instead is I don't really like John's outfit with all the weird lines. I, I know that's not Gary Frank's fault. Uh, not at all. It's just don't like it. Um, that's fair. I'm not a big fan of the Wonder Woman variant this time, to be honest. Middleton's oddly, really? I'm, I'm, I'm really hit and miss with Middleton. Sometimes there's something just off about it. Like I, like I see what it's going for, and there's just something not clicking. There's just something a little bit off about it. Um, and not always. Sometimes he knocks it out of the park, but sometimes I just I feel kind of disconnected from the cover. I get it. Um, and this is uh one of those times. Um, not that the general art isn't pretty enough it's it's always the face it's always the face just feels a bit off to me when i I think what it is is basically he uses different models as the face depending on the pose Mm. that he's not not tracing i'm not not acuting you know but clearly there's the model he's basing it off of because it's a very realistic drawing right and i guess you you, the the face doesn't line up with your expectation of diana um always Uh, yeah i guess because it's partly that yeah, because the body looks fine. Obviously, the actual art and the shading and the colors and all that stuff all looks good. Uh, I can't fault any of that. But, um, so yeah, variant of the uh, action comics for me, Gary Frank. Mm. Um, all right, best art of the week. Uh, Suicide Squad. Yeah, Suicide Squad. I don't even have to really think about it. Um, and then rank your top five. Yeah. Um. Justice League Dark, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, uh, Batman, Superman. Uh, I'm stopping there because I can't. I can't choose. I mean, you're such a coward. 
I just, I mean, I guess that the, the, the death metal one shot was better than action comics, but I mean, such a coward. You always just refuse to round out the list, even if you have to put the bad ones. All right, my top five. Integrity. Um, I. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Um, my top five is Suicide Squad at number one, uh, pretty easily. Wonder Woman at number two, and then Batman Superman at number three. After that, I mean, my choices are Action Comics, the Metal, metal One Shot, or the Flash. And I don't know what you gave. Flash, you gave action a 4.5 because you were a point above me, and you gave death metal a 4 because that was the same as me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you gave Flash, so yeah, I was up for you to call. On, on principle, I'll go metal one shot, then Flash. I'm not ranking action comics, I can't do it. The art's just that bad. <laughs> uh, but let it be known, those, those last three are all pretty down in the dumps and uh it wasn't the best week was it it was it was an odd week it was an odd week hopefully next week is better which i'm going to tell you about it's not many books but they look like they might be high quality uh yes so we'll have a look here and see what's coming next time so we have batman 104 we have strange adventures issue 7 Deceased Dead Planet issue 6, Batman Catwoman issue 1, that's finally starting. We got another mm. Tom King 12 issue a minute ago. Uh, we have Tales from the Dark Multiverse, War of the Gods issue 1. Um, and then aside from that, we have Justice League Guinness Winter what, issue 1, of course. Uh, now, it's worth mentioning this order on League of Comic Geeks is always based on how many like pulls each book has. And because that's a mini that's just started, it's lowered down the list, even though it feels like it should be the one at the top because it's the big start of the new thing. But that's why. Well, I mean, Batman Catwoman as well. True, but it's got Batman in the title. <laughs> it's still, it's still, that should be probably the second book there because of that, and it's not. So yeah, the, the point remains. With, um, the, this Dark Multiverse one, Wonder Woman War of the Gods, are you familiar with which story this is based on? Uh, not really, no. No, me either. Uh, we also have Metal Men issue 12, uh, Dreaming Waking Hours 15, Batman the Adventure Continues number 7, uh, and DC Classics, The Batman Adventures, Issue 7. So um, so we actually have a number of big things to cover next week. Endless Winter, Issue 1 being the the main thing. Yeah, I mean, we've got two big uh, Tom King books. We've got A Deceased and Endless Winter starting. I, I think we'll be okay. Yes. Yes. So uh, that is what's coming next week. So look forward to that. Uh, I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordenow, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. They are all patrons. Uh, Patreon.com slash TV um, at a $20 tier or more specifically. But you can, of course, support us for as little as $1 per month and show your support for the podcast and indeed all the content that we do as Mailfuzz TV, which does include movie podcasts and TV uh, episode reviews and stuff like that, which you can find on the Mailfuzz TV YouTube channel. Um, or in a couple of different podcast feeds, which will be obvious if you go and check them out on YouTube. Um, but yeah, so go and have a look and see if you're interested. Also, if you are on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe, all those things. Uh, it helps a lot, and YouTube will recommend us out a little bit more. So uh, that is the the simple and free way to support us. So please do if you can. 
Uh, you can, of course, also get us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast, which is a good place for updates, but also to ask us questions whenever we need questions and stuff like that. Um, so go and have a look over there too. Uh, but otherwise, that is us. So thank you very much for joining us. It has been episode 229 of Comics from the Multiverse. So we go into the, the 230s next week with uh, a few exciting months of uh, many events and crossovers before we get to whatever March is going to be. It should make for an exciting winter, if nothing else. So uh, hopefully we'll see you then for that. Uh, But that has been us. Thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. (laughs) 